Good evening. It is 8.38pm in the UK. That's 3.38pm in Canada. And a very warm welcome to the final day of the Midterm Executive Committee meeting of the International Council on English Braille for 2022. It's the 9th of June, which is a Thursday in Canada and the UK, but it's a Friday in Australia and New Zealand. And this is day five of five. Um, a bit longer than a normal midterm exec, which is normally just over a weekend. But uh, we decided that we'd do it in five short days rather than two and a half uh, long days. Tonight is going to be a bit more business heavy than the previous days. Um, there's there's quite a bit to get through uh, business-wise and not an awful lot of time in which to do it. We are going to start with a review of the 2020 resolutions and there's been 40 minutes allocated to this and there are eight resolutions. So that means we've only got five minutes per resolution. The good news is, though, some of those resolutions have already been talked about. So, for example, there's a resolution about the new International Manual of Braille Music Notation, just working backwards. We dealt with that on Music Day Um There's one about documenting shorthand codes, which sort of got talked about yesterday. Um, music Braille, again, that got talked about uh, on Music Day. Um, and then UEB support in digital Braille tools, again, that got talked about yesterday. So there's probably four resolutions that really need a lot of time, and then the others will uh, will just sort of uh, talk about things that didn't come up yesterday. Then there'll be a break. Then we're going to have the country reports, and that's going to take the whole 55 minutes. We've got uh, s seven country reports to get through uh, again in 55 minutes. So it's about seven and a half minutes per country report. And then in the final hour, it's just all the stuff that we didn't get around to in the rest of the week. We're going to have a very interesting presentation from Francis Mary D'Andrea, who we haven't heard from much uh, this week. Francis Mary D'Andrea is the secretary of ICEB from the US and... Um, she is a cited, um, uh, I was going to say PhD student, but she's not a PhD student. She's got a PhD. Uh, she works at the university somewhere. We'll uh, we'll ask Jen and Natalie in a bit for a bit more information about uh, Francis Mary, but she's going to be talking for a bit. We're going to look ahead to the 2024 General Assembly, uh, any other business, and then we'll move on to closing comments, thank yous and farewells. So to talk us through all of that, um, <clears throat> I said yesterday I'd be joined by Natalie Martiniello, and indeed we are joined by Natalie Martiniello, but we're also rejoined as a pleasant surprise by Jen Golden. So we have the current president of BLC and the past president of BLC, and I'm going to say hi to both of them now. Thank you very much for being here once again today. Hello. Hi. Lots of Canadian representation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, lots, lots, lots to get through um, tonight, and probably lots to to sort of bring people up to speed on. Um, let's start with that, uh, Francis Mary, because we really haven't heard much from Francis Mary this week at all, have we? No, I mean she's been busily taking minutes which i'm sure that <laughs> that makes it a little harder to mm. maybe participate as actively but um yeah i i i too am looking forward to hearing what she has to say she is at uh university of pittsburgh is that i i'm yes university correct, of pittsburgh yeah so she's a 
professor um, and she teaches future teachers of students with visual impairments and she also worked previously as a TVI and an educational consultant um, and she's written all kinds of really great books and articles about braille literacy and teaching students with visual impairments. Yes, that's We're right. She's her. she's worked with um, Robert Engelbretson, hasn't she? And uh, Simon Fisher-Balman and those those people, Kay Holbrook, people like that. Yeah, and yes. she loves Braille. Like she's very, yeah. she will tell you, it's, it's just fascinating to listen to her about how passionate she is about Braille. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So it'd be uh, wonderful to hear from her. Um, the meat and potatoes of the first session today, though, um, has to do with the resolutions. If we just go down the list of resolutions that we have, I'm not going to read all the whereas is. Um, I guess we'll hear the whereas is and we'll, we'll hear what the actual resolutions are. But we've got one on UEB supporting digital Braille tools, the availability of Braille uh, during times of national and international crisis. Uh, Natalie, you're going to talk to that one. Um, yes affirming the importance of braille uh, for adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment and that's also natalie uh preserving music braille presently only available as hard copy that's geordie documenting uh, shorthand codes um in an online resource that's geordie as well and then judy for the marrakesh treaty and the world braille council and back to geordie for the new international manual. Are there any of those where you sort of think, yeah, this is really going to get really interesting? Or is this just going to be an update that says, yeah, work's carrying on, we're all clear? Um, well, I think, you know, for all of them, it's kind of a check-in, right, to see where we're at with all the resolutions. And, you know, there's likely going to be discussion around some of these. I know with with mine, when we start talking about um, adult braille learning resources, um, it's possible we'll, we'll learn about other resources from from people who are at the meeting that we don't already know about. So I think, you know, it'll be it'll be good to hear the comments that people have as we kind of look towards completing these resolutions before the next general assembly. Mm. Yeah, so this is this is fostering a culture of uh, support, isn't it? This is not to call people out and say, so you know that resolution that you haven't even started yet. What's going on? It's not. <laughs> it's not about that. It's not is about it? that at all. It, no. It's, no. Yeah. It's an update. It, yeah. It's an update. And if the update is nothing's happened, then as long as there's a reason why nothing's happened, then actually, you know, that's that's fine. And of course, it may well just be that we decide that actually we thought the resolution was a good idea in 2020, but maybe now we think it maybe is not such a good idea or things have moved on such that a, a slightly amended resolution would be a better idea. Yeah, and I think part of it too may be, well, if not a lot has happened with this resolution, what can what can we do to help, you know, whoever sort of, I don't want to say in charge of the resolution, but whoever's sort of the lead on it, what can we do to help? And if I could, so Natalie, yesterday, Matthew and I were sort of joking about predictions, things that we mm -hmm. predicted that would come of the discussion, and then we revisited it. If I can make a prediction, I suspect that Marrakesh will be a big topic of discussion oh, because yeah. I think there's a lot of um, confusion and, and maybe a little frustration around, okay, we've got this thing and countries have signed on, where's this additional access to content that we were supposed to have? So, you know, I'm a little hesitant to say that on something that's recorded and just going out there into internet land, but I, I suspect we may 
have a fair amount of conversation about that. So we'll see if I'm right or I'm wrong. I think you're right. I think it's, you know, we have this treaty, but now how far have we actually gone to, to implementing it or, or making it work to share those resources? Yeah, and what's the fine print at the Cross bottom borders. of the treaty that none yeah. of us, you know, we, we don't necessarily know about? Yes. And I, I'm just looking at the text of the resolution while you're talking. And um, the, it, it's ICEB will prepare a position statement in support of Marrakesh, which I guess has already been done. Ascertain how implementation is going. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but... Um, whether there are obstacles that prevent the full implementation and work with WBU um, and other organizations in support of those objectives. So yes, I think the obstacles is what we're, what's going to come out of this discussion, isn't it? Because you're right, we've got the law and yet we've not really seen anything to suggest that we've got the law. No, it is, yes, exactly. it is, you know, it's still difficult to kind of obtain materials from other countries so yeah i i agree i think this will be a, a big a big topic today mm. well i think this is especially an issue for countries you know in like the developing world if that's the if that's still the right term to use because sometimes there are i mean even even for us here in north america right we we don't have access to everything we would like. And I know that's the case in other parts of the world. Sometimes it's even more difficult. And so this was touted as, oh, you know, this is going to be so beneficial to everybody. It's going to be so great. And it seems to have that potential, but it's just, how does this work out practically? So I'm looking forward to hearing what Judy will have to say on this. And I think we will have a good discussion. Mm-hmm. So, that's the resolutions. And I mean, we could talk a lot about the resolutions, but there's so much else that we probably need to talk about. And the other thing that I think probably we need to talk about before the meeting gets underway is the country reports. So there are seven of these. There's a country report for each country. Um, and they vary in length enormously. I, I saw some that were two pages long and I saw some that were eight pages long. And one of the themes that I saw running through all the country reports was um, whether, you know, I don't think it was intentional, but everybody sort of was talking about how they dealt with the pandemic, which actually I thought was really quite an interesting thing to look at. Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> um, something that everyone has had to deal with, and especially for, you know, the education system and in all of, all of our, you know, all of the countries. Um, for a lot of, well, for every student, education was disrupted. And so a lot um, of focus went to how do we serve these students during the pandemic? How do we ensure that they continue with their Braille literacy instruction and other services that they need? And, and um, so that was definitely a theme that I think everyone had to deal with over the past two years. I'm sort of chuckling to myself because I m mentioned it like not at all in the Canada report, although it will touch on it briefly because I, I allude to something that one of the BLC committees did during that time, you know, since March of 2020, when, you know, during the lockdowns, when schools were closed, they had done um, this committee that we have, it's the, it's called the teaching and learning committee. And it used to focus a lot on research and, and still can do that. But now what they've done a lot of is just presenting workshops, typically on Zoom, and 
you know, producing other content for the benefit of educators. So it's really great, the stuff that they're doing. And one of the things yeah. that they did was a workshop on teaching Braille remotely. And so I'm sure that was really helpful. We had a huge, it was one of our highest, uh, oh, one was. of our best attended workshop, eh, Natalie? Like it was, I think you we know, had close to a hundred and it is on we our did. website. So all of our previous uh, workshops are um, on the website for anyone who would like to listen or read the transcripts. Which is fantastic. And one of the, the, the advantages of doing online workshops, of course, is that it's much easier to, to, to do that sort of thing and to make things available online. Exactly. I was quite interested in uh, Ireland's country report. I mean, I was interested in all the country reports and we'll talk more about them in the break, probably. But I was interested... Um, I, I said about the pandemic being a theme in most of the reports, and it was Ireland really actually went into some detail about why the pandemic posed a particular problem and that the the economic um, aspects of the pandemic, which were things we didn't really think about. So like, you know, OK, there was the pandemic and everything shut down and that was a problem, but everybody was in the same position and we just kind of got on and dealt with it. But then there were things like the high absence, you know, when you started, when when things started to unlock again, the high level of staff absence and the effect that that had on Braille production, which I found quite interesting to read. I'd never really thought about that. Yeah, I think it was all one of the things that interested me, too, is just the varying level of detail that people put into their reports. and you know, to, to pick that, per, this particular issue, I mean, there's, as Natalie was talking about, there's all the, the education repercussions, but I think sometimes we, you know, people refer, you know, they talk about the pandemic, but there's all sorts of other ramifications of the lockdowns, and, and I'm going to be good and not go into that right now, but I think it's, I think it's really good that, the the Irish report, the report from Ireland that it that highlighted some of the kind of extenuating maybe that's not the right word, but sort of the effects of of that beyond what we might expect to hear. Mm. Yeah, and it kind of also highlights, I mean, we we already know this here, but the important work that Braille transcribers and educators do because it is, you know, it's it's a smaller group of professionals. And so when, when a portion of them are, are gone because uh, something like, you know, the pandemic has affected them, that has an even greater impact on the students um, who are being served. So it's just uh, another example of, of how, um, how much work that they do and how, how lucky we are to have them. Yeah, and I think we all had lockdowns to varying degrees and school closures to varying degrees too so that would have an impact on how people were affected like some people some countries schools weren't closed for very long and in other countries I mean Ontario had basically like the longest constant ongoing lockdown of you know anywhere in North America at least and and quite possibly the world I'm not sure and so that you know the the effects are going to be just there's going to be even that that variety depending on what kind of restrictions your country's government imposed. I think also the other thing um, that we we definitely recognized in Canada, but the level of creativity that teachers who work with blind students have um, to find ways to still 
meet the needs of students during the pandemic. I know that in the US, I believe it, it's, um, it was uh, APH, American Printing House, that started their virtual Excel Academy. And so this was an online, and it might still be going on. I'm not entirely sure. I think it is. Yeah, right. it was at home yeah. with APH, wasn't it? And then it, yeah. um, then it changed its name. You know, it really confused me when I first saw it. The Virtual Excel Academy. I thought, yeah, I need to know how to use Microsoft Excel. Actually, <laughs> yeah. I might join. You're it. not. You're not alone <laughs> in that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's great because um, students could join from everywhere. And I know for, for the ones that I attended, there were people from all over the world. So it wasn't even only people in the U S and because it was online, it kind of gave access to that content to maybe people who might not otherwise have access to some of that, some of those subjects. So yeah, it's, um, a lot of new things have cropped up because of what's happened too. Yeah. And I think one great example and Matthew, you would know more about this, of course, than, than I would being from the UK, but just what happened with your library services and the orbits and things like that. Like I, that was really exciting to hear about because on, on one level, it seems like people really also realized, oh, like this is electronic braille, low cost, refreshable braille. This is a really good thing and we can put this to good use. So I don't know, if, again, you know more about that than I do, but I thought that was really neat. No, it was. It's a theme, actually, that's gone through a few of the reports. So we, uh, I think there's a lot of coincidence and it's all kind of happened at the right time because, of course, the Orbit Reader existed before the pandemic. But the pandemic, you're right, really did kind of bring home, certainly in the UK, you know, a lot of people have Orbits thanks to the pandemic because, well, there was no other way of getting books because the library was closed. And then again, you see... We're starting to see this in the US with the pilot of the NLS e-reader. That's in their report. And in the Ireland report, we're starting to see um, they were talking about the fact that they're actually being asked to transcribe materials now for Braille displays and what the impact of that is on on the transcription industry. So, yes, I think you're right. I think the the pandemic really has made a huge difference to the way refreshable Braille is thought about and and used and I think that ties back into, in a way, into one of the resolutions that Natalie is the lead on about access to Braille during times of crisis. And I mean, obviously, we believe that access to Braille is important anytime. But I think just in the last two years when there was, you know, a lot of concern and rhetoric around, you can't touch this, you can't touch that, that Braille there was a threat there that Braille would be seen as problematic. And so I think it's good to look at the flip side of it where Braille actually was kind of being promoted as well. Yeah, exactly. And even just from a, um, you know, a safety perspective, a lot of the information that people shared during the pandemic was in the form of graphs or infographics and things like that. And so very visual and so not necessarily accessible to people who can't see that content, but then even more of a problem for people who have no other way of accessing that information, like uh, deafblind people or just braille readers who want to access that information tactually. So it's, it's written information, but it's also kind of ties back to tactile graphics and just remembering um, that some people choose to or need to access information in that way yes yeah, so I, was, and I think that was really the point 
Mm. So I was really excited, actually, moving sort of to the other country reports that we haven't talked about, but it, it leads in very nicely. I was very excited in the Australian country report when they talked about the fact that they have, um, what did they call it? A UV printer and a laser cutter. And I mean, I've, I've not come across a UV printer before. I don't know what one of those is. I'm guessing it's not a 3D printer. But they were putting that to all sorts of exciting uses. And, and I really would like to know more about that. Yeah, and I think one of the things, you know, Leona Holloway of Australia, she's, you know, a shout out to Leona. I don't know if you're listening, but Leona has done so many neat things in, I mean, in, in Braille in general, but also when it comes to tactile graphics, like this is something she's very involved in. And so I can't help wondering, I know I've heard her speak about 3D printing and different things like that. So I can't help wondering if she was you know, how much she was involved in this, because certainly that's something where she has done a lot of work and has a lot of expertise. And so it's really, it's really neat to, you know, see some of the things that, that she's done in the past. And it'll be interesting to hear, you know, when Jordy gives the report, it'll be interesting to see how much more detail she's able to give. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Mm. I just wonder whether if we'd had that UV printer five years ago, whether we'd start to be seeing COVID graphs being made out of UV printers. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Wouldn't All that be fun? Of, you know, maybe, maybe maybe happier graphics too. Yes, <laughs> maybe. So I'm just scanning down <coughs> with one minute to go a list of some of the other things that are likely to come up. There's uh, a Braille needs assessment. There's some Braille letter songs. Um, New Zealand are starting to think about uh, some grade two... Um, I think it's pronounced Te Reo Maori, but uh, someone's going to tell me that that's not quite right. But hopefully they will um, they will talk about that in their reports, competitions and Braille music camps. Um, likewise, in South Africa, with their um, working on things like Afrikaans Braille and other African language Braille and uh, World Read Aloud Day in South Africa. So there really is a lot of things that are going to be talked about and uh, we don't have to wait much longer because it's actually the top of the hour so either jen or natalie or both have got to go and um start this meeting off and <laughs> so i don't know which one of you is going to leave us but um i shall say goodbye and i shall see you in the break all right that sounds great i look forward to seeing you then indeed we'll be back thank you for thank we'll you be back. <laughs> You're listening to live coverage of the 2022 Midterm Executive Committee meeting of the International Council on English Braille with Matthew Horspool, Jen Golden and Natalie Martignello at one minute past nine. There you go in the UK, uh, that being one minute past four in Canada. We've sent uh, Jen and Natalie off to go and join the Zoom meeting. The, the number of participants in that meeting is uh, growing which is fantastic. Um, we've been averaging about 50 uh, all this week, which is really rather fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, even yesterday, you know, when we thought maybe there wouldn't be quite so many, we, we still managed to get 50 in, which is just wonderful. So hopefully we'll have a similar number today. And um, it really has been a fabulous week. And we'll talk more about that as we get towards the end of the coverage today. Um, but I think towards the end of today, there'll be a lot of people um, commenting on what a wonderful conference we've had and, uh, you know, a real buzz of excitement as we get, you know, we come away from this week sort of feeling very invigorated and, and ready to get going 
with our work once again in the field of Braille and, of course, looking ahead to 2024. Judy Dixon is going to be with us for the first part of the meeting to go through the resolutions. Of course, as we know, she's in guide dog training at the moment, uh, so she may have to leave us, I think, probably about halfway through the country reports and uh, may opt to leave before then. Um, of course, maybe she's got an, ex- um, uh, uh, an exception uh, for today so she can be here to close the General Assembly or the midterm because that would be rather nice, wouldn't it? Um, but everybody else uh, from the executive will be here as they have been all week. And um, I think this is going to be one of these days where the executive will have a lot to say and the observers will probably have less to say today than on any of the other days, just because there's so much to get through and so little time. And also um, the business is interesting, but it is still fundamentally business. And so the executive need to be able to speak so that they can get through their business where you know, observers, not so much, although, of course, if there's time, we will be hearing uh, from observers. And it's always interesting to hear what observers has to have to say. You know, observers, of course, there are people who are just interested in Braille, but you also have observers who were on the executive in the past. You have observers who will probably be on the executive in the future. Um, you have people who work on various committees that have never been part of ICEB and never will be, but whose knowledge is still very valuable. Um, so it will be very interesting to hear the, the sorts of discussions that are going to be going on today. 21.03, three minutes past nine in the UK. We're just waiting for the last few people, I think. Um, I'm seeing we've got six people in at the moment. So I guess that means we're just waiting on a few more from the... Um, executive maybe uh before we get started um a reminder if you'd like access to the agenda and the reports it's probably a bit late to register now because it's the last day but the documents will be made available on the iceb website at iceb.org shortly after the close of the midterm meeting you know give it a week or two and all of that information will be put up on the ICEB website. Um, and if you're interested in the work of ICEB, you can follow ICEB on Twitter at ICEB Braille, or you can find ICEB on Facebook. And uh, both of those channels are very active, and there's lots of posts there about the work of ICEB. And of course, there's the ICEB Announce Group. You can subscribe to that by sending a blank email to ICEB announce plus subscribe at groups.io. And there'll be, of course, information about that on the ICB website as well. Um, But well worth doing that. If you've been listening to this thinking, well, I don't know anything about ICEB, but I've come away from this wanting to know more, I I really would recommend that you subscribe to that list. And that will uh, subscribe you to the ICB newsletter. And you'll also get information about other um, ICEB initiatives. Most excitingly, of course, the General Assembly in 2024 when uh, arrangements for that are finalized hopefully it will be an in-person one in 2024 wherever it is and uh, will most likely take place i would imagine in june sort of july time although we may end up doing it in uh, in the autumn we could do it in october who knows maybe we'll find out more later on 
the podcast of this uh, coverage will remain active for the foreseeable future. Um, we've agreed to keep it up for sort of at least three or four months, and we're hoping to transfer it then to the ICB website so it will be available in perpetuity. Um, so if you've missed anything, do feel free to download the archives of previous days or indeed the archives of today, and uh, have a listen. Don't forget the podcast is chapter marked. So if you're in a podcast player that supports chapters, you can uh, use chapters. And we try and chapter mark uh, relatively uh, well. Uh, The past few days, there haven't been so many chapter marks just because the discussions have been quite lengthy and sort of free-flowing, and it's been very difficult to uh, get chapter marks put in uh, you know, at the right places. So we've chapter marked the start of the report and the start of the discussion, and that's just about it. Tonight's uh, podcast will be chapter marked in a lot more detail, I would have thought, because we'll be able to put a mark at the start of every resolution and at the end of every country, rep- start of every country report. Um, so hopefully that will be a useful uh, method of you navigating through. People are starting to come into Zoom, so I'm now going to turn over to Anthony Tibbs and Jen Golden and Co., to start the meeting off. Oh, and here's Judy. Is everyone here? Yeah, 45. 45. Yes, we do. So, executive committee members, you can unmute as you wish. And if everyone else would please stay muted. And when we get to a discussion parts of the meeting, we will call upon you when you raise your hand. All right, are we all set? So welcome to day five of the ICEB midterm executive meeting. And we will start off with Jen Golden, who is going to tell us some more about Canada. Hello, and Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And I always feel like by, by the end of this, I get all my, my greetings in some sort of semblance of order. So welcome once again to day five. And um, as Judy said, I'm going to provide a little CanCon moment. I promised you more discussion about food. So here we go at last. And before I start, I just have to say, Judy, at lunch, I had a chocolate croissant in your order. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll bring you one. So I'm, uh, I'm in the U S. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, or you can come for a visit. All oh, right. So, idea. yeah. So th- this first little item, I-, I actually, I'm still undecided as to whether I should think this is funny or whether I should be really embarrassed, but craft dinner for those of you who are not for you outside of Canada, macaroni and cheese in a box um we call it craft dinner apparently other people don't necessarily call it that craft with a k apparently they sell approximately seven million boxes of this stuff a year nearly two million of which are sold in canada so i was um again shocked and slightly embarrassed at the <laughs> thought that we consume over a nearly a third of the craft dinner that's produced each year anyway i'll just let that one sink in and (laughs) i i'm not gonna lie annie's craft dinner from costco really tasty okay um memories from university days too and i would be remiss if i did not share this particular tidbit of 
or should I say Timbit, of information with all of you. Canada apparently has more donut shops per capita than any other country in the world. Mm-hmm. So, and we do have maple donuts in case any of you were wondering. And we have maple bacon donuts even Ooh. because bacon makes everything better, right? <laughs> so, and while you are at Tim Hortons, which is our, um, we have other donut shops, but that's kind of the, the typical Canadian donut shop. While you are there getting your maple bacon donut, sugar overload and salt overload, I guess, calorie overload. Uh, but don't think about that while you're eating it. Just enjoy it. If you want a coffee, if you order a medium double-double, what you will get is a medium coffee and it will have two creams and two sugar. So if you actually want milk and not cream, you have to specifically say milk as opposed to ordering a double-double because then you'll have, you'll, you'll get cream by default. And now just a few other food items that I'm, I hadn't mentioned before. Of course, there's our stereo, well, stereotypical, well-known poutine, or if you're English, you might say poutine, from, again, the province of Quebec. And that is, in case you don't know, French fries with a whole lot of grease on it, gravy, cheese curds, <laughs> and you can get any kind of poutine that you can imagine. Sometimes it comes with meat and spicy, like it could be Tex-Mex, it could, you could, there are just huge varieties of poutine now, but the the standard original is uh, fries with gravy and cheese curds. And I haven't had this in a long time, but when I eat it, I usually try not to think about the cheese curds, but it is very tasty. And then <clears throat> something is very typical um, in Quebec and also just for Francophones across the country, particularly on Christmas Eve is tortillard. It's a, a meat pie and it, oh, it's so delicious. And the, um, that again, that's something that you would have at Christmas Eve or the Réveillon after, you know, you, you go to midnight mass and then you come home and you eat a massive meal in the middle of the night. And it's great. And you might follow up the tortillère with tarte au sucre, which translates to sugar pie. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want that, right? And it really is kind of what it sounds like. It's just, it's again, a little bit like when I described a butter tart the other day or like a, <coughs> but it's, you know, pie, pies and there's no pecans. It's just creamy and sugary and delicious. So um, I guess where this comes back to with the bacon and the maple syrup and all this good stuff is that breakfast works really well for us here in Canada. So <coughs> given the timing of these meetings, maybe our friends in Australia and New Zealand will be uh, thinking about what they're going to have for breakfast when we're done. So with that, I will hand it back over to Judy. Thank you very much, Jen. And it sounds wonderful. All right. The meeting is divided into thirds today. And the first part of the meeting, we will be talking about the 2020 resolutions that were passed. The second part of the meeting, we will have country reports. And the third part of the meeting, we'll just wrap up with a few odds and ends. So let's start, <clears throat> excuse me, let's start with the resolutions. And in 2020, we passed eight resolutions. And I want to focus on what has been accomplished in two years, because there are certainly things that have not been accomplished. And those are for a variety of reasons, many of which are out of our control. And as we all know, some very odd things have been happening between October of 2020 and May of 2022. So uh, not much we can do about that either. 
So let's talk about what, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to go find some water. <clears throat> but let's talk about what, um, what, has, what has been accomplished. And uh, we have a star in the, in the resolutions arena. Um, Natalie was responsible for two of the resolutions and both of those are done. So Natalie, would you like to tell us about your two resolutions? I will, thank you, Judy. You can hear me okay? Yes. All right. So, yeah, I was uh, responsible for moving two of the resolutions forward. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll start with the first one, which is resolution two. <laughs> um, and I will read it and then I'll just um, give an update on what happened uh, since this was passed at the General Assembly. So resolution two is the availability of Braille during times of national and international crises. Whereas Braille is literacy and for millions of persons who are blind, <coughs> Braille is equivalent to print for the sighted. Whereas access to accurate and timely information is vital to the safety, inclusion, and full participation of blind persons in all aspects of society, particularly during national or international crises. Whereas Braille may also be the primary, if not the only mode of communication available for persons who are deafblind. Whereas it is imperative that member countries take all the necessary steps to ensure that Braille and tactile graphics hang on, I'm switching page, uh, are made available during national and international crises. The seventh general assembly of ICEB therefore resolves that ICEB prepare a position statement affirming the importance of, ac um, of access to braille and tactile graphics during times of national and international crises. So um, essentially, uh, the, the goal of this resolution was to publish a position statement or press release, which we did do in um, early 2021. It was shared on the um, announce listserv, ICEB announce listserv. It was also posted to our website where you can still find it. Um, and we also pushed it out through our social media platforms. So on Facebook and on Twitter, um, and Braille authorities were encouraged to share it with organizations from their respective countries. Um, and this, this resolution really stems from, I mean, this was at the height of the pandemic in, in 2020. And we were concerned about the availability um, of not just Braille, but also tactile graphics. A lot of the information being shared by governments and, and other organizations about the pandemic um, were not necessarily in an accessible format for a Braille user or a Braille reader. Um, and so this was something we were very concerned about and that could be especially problematic for uh, people who are deafblind. So, we felt it was important to make this public statement to raise awareness of the importance of Braille and also tactile graphics um, about not just issues related to international crises, things like infographics and 
uh, graphs and other, other information that was often shared in a visual format. But just in general, that when information is being shared through governments and other organizations, the importance of remembering those of us who read Braille. So the resolution can be considered um, as complete at this point, though everyone is still very welcome to continue sharing that press release um, if you find that it is still helpful. Um, so, you know, the importance of Braille and tactile graphics obviously doesn't go away as, as time goes on. So it is still there as something we can uh, distribute. So I will stop there with that resolution, and just ask if there are any questions or comments about it. I am just, um, I'm assuming there are no hands. I am just finding the next resolution that I will speak to. Great. All right, so I will read this one as well and bear with me because it is longer because apparently I had a lot of feelings to share about <laughs> adult braille literacy, but I know this is something that we, uh, we all feel the same about. So resolution three is about affirming the importance of Braille for adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment. Okay, so whereas there is a growing prevalence of adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment due to both population growth and aging, whereas the most common reason for referral to vision rehabilitation services today are difficulties related to reading and access to information, whereas access to information is critical to regaining or maintaining independence after acquired visual impairment, whereas Braille is an important method of reading and writing, that is, switching page, um, used uh, with and without technology for both basic and more advanced communication needs. Whereas Braille may also be the primary, if not the only mode of communication available for persons who are deafblind. Whereas Braille has been empirically demonstrated as being correlated with higher levels of education, um, stronger employment outcomes and higher income among uh, blind adults. And whereas there is a long tradition of Braille research and services for children, but not necessarily for adults or older adults, this seventh general assembly of ICEB therefore resolves that ICEB prepare a position statement affirming the importance of Braille for adults and older adults with acquired visual impairment, the need for member countries to support adult and older adult Braille learners through research, training, and access to Braille resources, and the importance of ensuring that all adults and older adults who may benefit from Braille have access to it in ICEB member countries, and that ICEB establishes a working group 
to catalog a list of the available learning resources for adult and older adult Braille learners in English speaking countries with the goal of making this list available within a uh, within a centralized public online platform. So that was a long one. Um, so we started collecting this information right away. So again, this started with um, publishing a press release. We pushed this out through social media, the ICEB announced list, um, through all uh, the Braille authorities, presidents were encouraged to share it as well. Um, and We've been collecting resources since then. Right now, um, they're not publicly available on the ICEB website. We're continuing to collect resources. So we already have lots of great resources about curricula and websites and books. Um, there's a great one from, from the UK that's called Sense and Sensitivity, I think, which is a fun play on Shakespeare. So I enjoyed that one. Um, so there, there are lots of great resources out there. We're really just interested in knowing what's available um, so that if there are resources we can share between countries, we know what is out there already. But also it's a great way for us to know where gaps are. Um, so where priorities, uh, where we should focus attention in, in the future. Um, we, we didn't establish a specific working group for this. I've been taking a lead on this through the research committee. Um, and so certainly if you do have other resources that you would like to share from your respective countries, organizations, anything that you feel would be helpful for adult Braille learners, um, you can write to us um, at info at icv.org. And we will add that to the list. And the goal will be to uh, make that list available on the ICEB website closer to the uh, General Assembly. So I will stop there, but I'm happy to answer any questions um, or hear any comments from anyone about these resolutions. Any hands? So it sounds as though there are no questions. So then with that, um, I do encourage you to contact us if you do have other resources um, and you'll hear more of an update as time goes on. And I will turn this back over to Judy. I am not here. Judy, if you're speaking, you're still muted. You are muted. I was speaking. Thank you. Oh, well, there you, <laughs> you are. <laughs> Probably wondering why, why we're ignoring you. Well, no, I thought I was just speaking. <laughs> okay. So thank you, Natalie. Uh, that's a great summary. And I certainly hope we do pursue adding some information to our website about resources for adult learners. I think if we're going to help keep Braille alive, uh, adults need to learn at least something and we can be a part of that. Okay, now we're gonna turn our attention to 
the resolution UEB support in digital Braille tools. And there's some, been some progress in this area as well. And James will tell us about that. Thank you very much, Judy. So I kind of talked about this last night. Um, in the interests of time, I'm not going to read the resolution in full, but basically it's, 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 its effect is to encourage <coughs> manufacturers to adopt the latest version of LibLui if they're using LibLui, to report errors and fix errors as they're found, and to basically promote UEB as the default Braille code, specifically UEB Grade 1 as the default Braille code, because not everybody reads contracted Braille. Of course, most products will have the option of Grade 1 and Grade 2, and those who want Grade 2 can easily switch. So I talked yesterday about the progress made to LibLui, and the letter sent to manufacturers. And uh, I heard um, from our esteemed Matthew um, today that Index have actually adopted the latest version of LibLui, version 3.22, uh, which was only actually released this week. So they're really <coughs> on the ball, which is brilliant news. And uh, that's all I want to say really on that resolution. Are there any questions? Stunned silence again. You guys are very quiet today. Yes. We have no hands. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Judy. All right. So we will now move on. Thank you, James. We will now move on to Jordy to tell us about preserving music braille presently available only as hard copy. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. On Tuesday, my time, we um, had a wonderful presentation from Catherine Katie Rodder regarding the digitization of Braille music. Um, but I'll just quickly go through this resolution so that you know what we're talking about. So preserving music braille presently available only in hard copy. I won't read the whereas's, but this seventh uh, General Assembly of ICEB resolves to encourage all relevant member countries of ICEB, their organizations and agencies to collaborate where possible to facilitate and <coughs> further the preservation of music braille in hard copy Request that all supporting countries, appropriate organisations and agencies make known to ICEB the relevant and relevant committees their position in respect of preserving music braille. We call upon member countries and agencies to invest time and resources into the digitisation of hard copy music braille, sharing knowledge and new technologies and experiences to ensure the future generations have access to the and use of the Braille music resources from the past. Um, in my report, I mentioned that we found that the US and Canada are the main players in this, uh, digitising Braille music, and because it takes considerable resources and time, and proofreading, which is really important. However, Australia and New Zealand and the UK have indicated that their time is... Um, 
uh, specifically devoted to working on new edition, new um, editions. And the UK, as I mentioned the other day, have talked about um, their concern about scores, um, the editions of older scores. They are no longer um, used today. Um, they're in a different format. Uh, they're in a Braille code that isn't used, so non-U E B. Um, could be SEB or um, other English Braille codes. The paper size can also differ significantly. You've got those uh, miniature scores that I've got quite a few Chopin preludes on my bookshelves in that format. Uh, signs are older. Um, so in bar by bar, we had intervals reading in, in an upward direction rather than in the piano bar by bar now where they're split. Um, however, on Tuesday, we received an excellent presentation from Katie Rodder, who talked about the two software packages that the US is currently using to digitize their extensive hard copy Braille music collection. And they were the optical Braille recognition software, which makes a really good job of uh, scanning interpoint Braille, as well as the dot scan program um, produced out of Germany with its proprietary scanner. Um, and it although it doesn't do a great, a great job at interpoint braille, it um, is quite accurate and has a lot more customizability with things like measuring dot distance. So if you have a score that, that contains different uh, dot distances, for example, hand for a slate, you know, music produced on the slate, it's a little more, it's a little easier to um, use this particular program. So, that's where we're at. I think now our task will be to document um, what our countries are doing and to recommend that countries do protect uh, historical resources from the past. Speaking of things like uh, COVID, that has become difficult to exchange that material because of, um, I guess, sanitisation um, concerns. So, yeah, that'll be something that countries will continue to look at. Any questions? or uh, comments related to resolution four. I think Judy, that is the end of my okay. report. Well, I think we'll stay with you, Jordy. Yes. Thank you, but let's, <clears throat> let's have the one, let's skip down to new international manual of Braille music notations. Certainly. So if I skip to the uh, guts of it, we uh, passed a resolution at the 2020 Assembly talking about investigating a, a, a cooperative project with Braille authorities and other uh, Braille producing entities within and external to ICEB. <clears throat> to update the International Manual of Braille Music Notation 1996 by Betty Krolik. Through, I, I said in my report that through discussions with specialists in the field, it appears that no international body at the moment is prepared to take on such a mammoth task. The consensus was to investigate putting together a supplement containing uh, material not covered in the International Manual so far. <clears throat> So on Tuesday, we had a bit of a discussion about that. I reported that 
in Australia, we are in, we have a group of uh, specialist music teachers for the vision impaired, as well as music transcribers who are collaborating to create a document that covers material to assist Braille and reading musicians in the mainstream classroom. So articulating ways to document um, document music concepts that at the moment have there are multiple ways of brailing a particular score or, or um, theory concept. Um, on Tuesday, James uh, mentioned the document, comprehensive document compiled by Roger Furman of uh, Golden Chord and uh, a chair of UCAF. And he has put together a lot of material that is not currently found in the new international manual. Uh, and an example of that we heard from South Africa, which was the note for note method that appears in Barna, Barna Music Braille 2015, but not in the international manual. So my hope is that by 2024, we can be well underway with uh, having a bit of a task force to um, collaborate on this supplement. We've got a lot of introductory material now. We just need to flesh that out. Um, questions or comments? <clears throat> I think that's the end of that one, Judy. All right, all right, very good. And there's one more for you. <clears throat> you you okay. get the most. Um, document <laughs> documenting shorthand braille codes in an online resource. Uh, yeah, so we hope to um, create an online repository for uh, of information and reference materials of highly contracted shorthand braille codes that have been developed and used prior to the introduction of unified English braille. Um, James Bowden and I have collated um, a list of three shorthand codes that we have um, found so far. There's grade three braille, which I feel is probably the most well-known code out of the UK. Uh, shorthand braille. And a code called the braille user oriented code, BUOC, which is extended, extends the grade two code. We have compiled um, some reference materials and some manuals in all three of those codes and have a document that just a little introductory paragraph that we hope to upload onto the ICEB website uh, in the coming weeks. Did you have anything further to add, James, to that? <clears throat> now that sounds about right, Jordy. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, except that I think read three came from the US. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, there's a nine, I think actually it was the UK. We, we had it in 190 something or other. Really? Uh, yeah, and there was a second edition in 1919, which had more contractions. We'll talk more about. <laughs> we'll talk more about that. Yeah. The, the book that APH produced. There's one. It's from the 50s. Yeah. I I managed to buy it before they stopped selling it. Well, the, the, I have two books ago. that APH produced, Ooh. and I I scanned them. And uh, with some assistance from our music scanning people, once in a while they'll scan things that aren't music, 
And uh, so they're, they're both on, on BARD for those in the US. This is uh, FM, and I have two of them. Um, one is called Key to Grade 3 Braille by L.W. Roddenberg That's from the... the Illinois School for the Blind, 1926 edition. And one is called um, The Braille Code, a Guide to Grade 3 for First Year High School by Ruth Hayden. Um, Someone I have. It's also done by the Illinois School, 1958. Those are the two books that I scanned. Let me look. I think I scanned a later edition of the first book. Ah, the Rodenberg book does say it's based on the text, Revised Braille for the Reading and Writing of Grade 3, published in ink and braille by the National Institute for the Blind of ah, London, England in 1908. Humbly apologize, James. That, that's all right. We'll I never you. knew that. You never know what you're going to learn at the ICEB midterms. That's right. (laughs) Did you notice also it was the National Institute? We weren't royal at that time. (laughs) Does that mean you've moved up? What does that mean? I don't know. I know postcodes have got longer because the the address would probably just say Great Portland Street, London, W. And that's it. (laughs) It's a lot longer than that. We've had that too. Can I ask what the uh, criteria for a candidate to this set of codes is? Mike Townsend, I've got something called Advanced Contracted Braille from Martin Milligan, uh, who's passed away a long time ago, but that was quite widely used in the UK. So what are the criteria for these codes that you would like to collect? Something that was uh, widely used in the UK sounds like a contender to me. Yeah, I might have the only copy of this this code. That's the trouble. Do you have it in print or hard copy Braille? Braille? Yeah. In hard, hard copy, copy Braille, is that um, we, we we could scan it. Okay, right. Um, I could send it to you, Judy. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it, it was called sorry? what, Mike? It was produced what? by, um, actually disseminated by Bork back in the seventies and eighties. Okay, thank you. Is Hi. it possible that there's an electronic copy somewhere? Yeah, we'll have to Mike check Google just, Books and things yeah, like that. Just before you, yeah, it's before you never know what thing. Yeah, I don't. Um, I haven't seen one. No, I don't know. Um, I think I did give a copy to Moscow with their Logos program when they they've got a scanning program, um, but I don't mm. know if they ever scanned it. I've Is that one that's still used, by the way, the Russian scanning program? Yes, that's the optical braille recognition program that's twenty years old, but the NLS is still able to use it. On oh, Windows that's called Obiano, is it? Right. Okay. Yes, uh, I believe that's I, I just had it from Vladislav, so I, I didn't know what it's called. Unless I'm confusing things, I, I believe I thought OBR came from Sweden, but I'm not sure. Oh, I think at one time it came from a country such as Czechoslovakia, the Czech Republic. Yes, that's so. Maybe there's another player in another program from Moscow. That... So Moscow Logos. And yes, that was a different. Of... That was a different uh, program because we started I out. It might have been. Yeah. We started out with the one. Used? Mm. I don't think the one from the Czech Republic is used anymore, but the Russian one is used. It's a very effective one when I saw it. Mm-hmm. We had someone from the Czech Republic as the chair of their Braille Authority register for these meetings. I don't know if she's here and she can, I I don't want to put, if you are here, I don't want to put you on the spot, but 
I just thought I'd point out that we might actually have somebody from Czechoslovakia here who might know. What was the, I don't, I don't see her with, we do have a couple of hands up, but I don't see that one. Well, let's, let's okay. take some, let's take some hands up then. If she wants to speak. She uh -huh. can, she'll raise her hand. Uh, Mike Howell. Warmest greetings again, everybody. Uh, inspired by so many of you at the 2020 meeting and by the breadth of content, I spent a lot of time after the meeting writing to President Judy, sadly, despite having sent the massive email four times in both Braille and print, I've heard nothing. But to the content, towards the end, it did cover shorthand things. What we are trying to get for you desperately, Judy, is the exercise book. They were very clever, that though, despite the fact that they were the bane of my life for three years, while I studied commercial shorthand, uh, came out with 110 words a minute, which isn't the best, and it should have been a lot better. But the, the exercises that accompanied the system book, which I believe you now have on file, they were very clever, but we, I, I haven't been able to trace this. Now, what Dr. Mike tells you about um, advanced contracted Braille uh, it comes in, it, it occurs in a, a fairly hefty volume, which is called Four <coughs> Essays in Code Design. And I'm thrilled to tell you that, among other things, I do have a copy of this. Oh, and, you've got uh, that, have you, Mike? Great. Yes, I'm thrilled to tell you I've got it. Yes. That's uh, the book so, I've got, I think, Mike. Sorry, Mike. I think that's the book I've got. It is four, four essays in code design. But the one that was really adopted was Martin Milligan's Advanced Contracted Braille. That's the one that got somewhere of those. Well, it, it came. I don't know whether Judy, but President Dixon wants me to talk about very briefly about the time at which this occurred. Sure. Go right ahead, Mike. Oh, thank you very much. Well, it, Judy... As, as mentioned in the really detailed email, it came at a time where, where they tried to reform Braille. And what it amounted to is that the Braille that we use is a very inefficient system. We can't do a lot about it without doing massive substitutions. All you could really do was make additions. Now, there were three codes put up to, for us, for our consideration. And I'm delighted to tell you <laughs> that Mr. Mike, Dr. Mike Townsend and I shared uh, this, the same view that none of the codes were really uh, any better than what we'd got. But we're, de <coughs> we're de obviously delighted to share what we've got. And we are making strenuous efforts to get you the exercise books which accompanied the, the shorthand uh, manual which you have and, and I think they would bring great meaning to it to anybody who wanted to study it what I did ask Judy in the lengthy email is whether there was in America a shorthand course and a shorthand system in its own right or did they use the one as used in the UK end of point 
Thank you, Mike. Um, I did find that email in my junk mail sometime after oh. October 20, and I believe I wrote to you quickly and, and said that I was feeling rather like uh, someone who, who was eating an elephant. And uh, so I, but I would try to separate it all and I, and figure out what we might do about all this. But we, I am happy to help by scanning some of these older titles. So I can easily would, get that would, done. Would you like me to send you another copy of it? Oh, I have it. I have it. This is good. I, I feel so, a li just a little bit more uplifted. Good. I'm happy. Because Thank it you. was it it could have been so useful to uh, to so many other people whom I mentioned. <clears throat> One thing I thought um, I raised in James's session yesterday was about um, creating tables for these potential use for uh, Braille enthusiasts who are interested in working in, in the old codes just for pure Braille geekery. Um, so I don't oh, know. Geekery, I love you it. You know, I've thought about that, Jordy, because I, I mean, I, I don't think that we should spend too much of our time as much Not, as yeah. many of us would love to just wallow around in braille geekery and we could certainly have <laughs> enormous fun doing it uh, i we need to to figure out how can these things inform our current and future decisions and and i think that's the best thing we can do with looking at these kinds sure. of codes yes it's and probably we, not the nicer eb spec for that particular. <laughs> so I think probably the grade three <clears throat> extension could be a, a way forward for more compressed Braille, so long as we could get it more connected to UEB, I would say. I'm not sure that ACB will help us much forward. But it, it, would, be, it, it, would, be, it would be beyond an irony if we adopted UEB and eliminated nine contractions, and then we... When then we <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay. and then, and then we set about creating more contractions. I, I don't think that would go well with our. Well, this is picking up on what um, James was saying. Was it yesterday or about grade three? Some people were interested yeah. in it because some people feel a more compressed <clears throat> version could be useful to them. Uh, I'm, I'm not particularly in favour of that either. But um, I mean, it would have it, to be a personal, a personal yeah. code. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, the, the big <laughs> problem with grade three is it does not translate back from braille to no because there are letters actually missing from exactly. words exactly yeah and i exactly. i that that offends my sense of order <laughs> intelligent human beings can work okay out, well i think you'd can't. find martin milligan's is not so it, i think it goes two ways martin's but i don't mm. need to look at it again I think mm. it's the same case for buoc the braille user oriented code that um omits letters and uses for example um T for the um, if you're having say the word responsibility, it has a T on the end of the word. So things like that that would be tricky, I think, to back translate. But I think our point is that we'd like to document these codes so that they are an option for people rather well, than and, and for historical purposes. And, not, and, that's right. and that's and that's fine. But we need to to remember what what it is we're doing here. I think it's I good worried. to. Um, I think it's good to have, as Judy just said, to document them because there are people who may want to use them for personal, you know, in the, in your own personal writing. And so I think it, I think it is. It's a part of our history that we don't want to lose. I think there is that balance of making sure that we. This is something that Natalie and I were talking about earlier about how some of the things that are really more specifically of interest to 
I guess to quote the phrase, people who want to wallow in braille geekery, because I just really like that phrase, right? That we understand that it may not be the stuff of everyday use or highest priority, but that it's really good not to not to lose it. Yes, I agree. Okay. I am working, I, I am working on a system at the moment in collaboration with a very good friend of mine and it's called Speed Braille. And in order to do this, we looked at Grade 3, we looked at Buok, we looked at all the codes we could find uh, with the aim, of, uh, after uh, James Bowden's aim of producing, being able to produce print from it. And we looked for the most commonly used words. And we've worked on with this great uh, basic foundation, that's how uh, our system has progressed. All right, we need to move on, but thank you very much for an interesting discussion on this topic. The last two resolutions are, one was about the Marrakesh Treaty, and uh, since that, since the last year and a half, the National Library Service has been posting books that it acquired through the Marrakesh Treaty, many, many hundreds of them. I think we've done over 700 Braille books and, and a few thousand audio books. So we're doing it now in a huge way. This um, resolution was meant to encourage other countries, member countries, and do what we could to assist if member countries were having difficulty either getting adopting the Marrakesh Treaty or implementing the Marrakesh Treaty. And we haven't done a lot with that. So what I would ask is for member countries who either haven't adopted it or, or where it hasn't been implemented much by your library service or other organizations in your country who do those things, you know, think about it and we will put it on the agenda for a future meeting to see if there is anything else that needs to be done. I feel quite comfortable that the U.S. is in a very good space when it comes to Marrakesh Treaty. Thanks. <clears throat> on the agenda, President. Yes, sir. Chiveni. Yeah, I I just wanted to to yes, I just wanted to indicate that uh, as we always reported the EXCO meetings that in South Africa we're still grappling to get the Marrakesh Treaty uh, ratified, uh, owing to the fact that they still want to have the copyright amendment bill uh, in place uh, so that it can cover the aspects of the Marrakesh Treaty. But we have waged uh, a serious battle with government in trying to push them to acknowledge the fact that the Marrakesh Treaty should be ratified. It was one of the major arguments raised at the Constitutional Court case uh, hearing uh, on the 12th of May when, when we were presenting our case. Uh, we had to tie in the, Marrakesh, the ratification of the Marrakesh Treaty because that is the, the, the premise from which we feel government should uh, take responsibility to, to have that ratified. Thank you. All right. Um, the other resolution is about the World Braille Council. And I have inquired from Martine Abel Williamson several times about the World Rail Council. As last I heard, the 
World Blind Union has not reconstituted the World Braille Council uh, because they don't have a chair. And they, they've asked many people to be chair and people have declined, <clears throat> including me. Um, so I don't know what we might do about that, but that's, that's, and maybe we could, I don't want to do it now, but at some point we can perhaps brainstorm some ideas about what we might do about that. Judy? So, yes? Oh, I just wanted to make a quick comment about this that, and I'm, I'm sure no one's going to, I'm sure other people have thought this too, that just this not having that body available, the challenge that that has been for ICEB, because when we come up with things that are outside of our scope, there's nowhere else to send it. Some of That's these things true. that are right. So yeah, I just wanted to. But if the World Blind Union is going to do it, it, it needs to to put some resources behind it. Oh, 100%. That's, I yeah. think that's been part of the problem as well. Yeah. Do you think, Judy, that this says something about their prioritization yeah. of Braille or anything? <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to insult them. <laughs> do, do I think that? Yes. Can I ask this ignorant question, Chair? Yes, sir. Ready? Hello? Yes. You may speak. Okay. I, I don't have... see any other hands. I don't, okay. I don't know. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> is there something that you think is a, a lost cause, Judy, really? Well, You've been involved with this thing. I don't thing. know. You, you, I mean, you'd think somebody would want to be chair, and, and I have no idea how many people she's asked, but I do know of three different people who have told me they've been asked, and so I don't know what it is. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to chair something that, well, I'm chairing ICEB. That's enough. And I don't want to chair something that doesn't have any resources. But I do pick up the, the reasoning behind the stuff that comes to ICEB. Some of it is really well brought, well yes, counseled. You're stuff. absolutely right. We've not yeah. got that home for that sort of right. stuff. That's what I was talking about. Like things so I, I do believe there's a need for it. Just... And I, I think we need to lobby WBU to put some wow. resource at it. We will. That's 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 probably the direction that we need to go. Judy, we have two hands. Ah, okay. Sarah Wilkins. Hi everyone, it's Sarah Morley Wilkins from the Daisy Music Braille Project. Um, Judy, I'm interested to hear what you say about that because I've been trying to get engagement with WBU about World Braille Council because there's a lot of stuff coming out of our Music Braille Project which is international standards related, and it's definitely not daisy shaped. It's what it's bigger than ICEB because it's many countries and many languages. So I too have a, an interest in trying to get something <laughs> happening yes. there. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll contact her again and see what, see what, where things stand. And we have, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm now Shavi. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to check, and this might be a very ignorant question, but I feel I need to raise it. What, what, what is the, the relationship between the World Blind uh, Council and World Blind Union? Well, 
our 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 famous friend Peter Osborne yeah. in in <laughs> sorry I'm just you know I've got I to know, remember I know. there are observers here <laughs> but in 2012 World, World Braille Council was and I don't even know all the very early history my my involvement with it started in 2008 and at that time, it was more or less independent, as best I could tell. It certainly wasn't part of the World Blind Union, and it did have difficulty resourcing itself. And it was dependent on the kindness of various international organizations to send members to meetings and fund things and so forth. And, and, I, and, I, and I do think that that's necessary. And so anyway, in 2012, Peter Osborne, or very soon before he disappeared. Um, can I ask you he, to call back? Mary, you're not on mute. Right, thanks. Um, right before he disappeared, he convinced the World Blind Union to take it on as a committee. And they did. And there was a couple of meetings. There was one in 2015 in, in Brazil that they scheduled in very very short amount of time i couldn't attend i mean within weeks i mean it was, it was very quick not, yeah. not possible mm -hmm. and then there was another one and kevin carey became chair and that should tell you something um and and he had a meeting in 2018 in ottawa was that jen yeah it was ottawa yes. we were in yes yep. yes jen jen's city and uh, and so we had a meeting and and Kevin had had his own agenda about it. He had some very specific things that he thought we should do. I mean, Kev, the, the, the flag that Kevin carries the highest is uncontracted Braille. And and Kevin thinks that that uncontracted Braille should be a much bigger part of, of what we all do. And, and what he wanted to do was to uh, work on efforts to have uncontracted Braille taught in African countries. And most of the rest of the committee wasn't very interested in that. And, and it just nothing, again, nothing ever happened. And then the, that, that term of the World Blind Union ended, but then the pandemic came and they postponed their meeting. And so nothing else has really happened with it. So the biggest disappointment, I think, was when Peter um, disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, yes. And he had such good ideas for it, and I think <laughs> we're all quite keen on it. Um, I, I know Kevin's agenda, and I wasn't supportive of it, but um, um, but, but, it, but but there but is Peter that need really for... Peter rearranged um, a lot of things to to you know because he made a lot of promises and then and, yeah, I know. and, then, and then disappeared. Yeah, but but I do believe there's that need for a forum, a place. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. there is, there is, and and I and I don't disagree that the World Blind Union is an appropriate place for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. the worldwide national organization or worldwide international organization having mm -hmm. to do with blindness, yeah. and it makes sense that they that they would be the ones. Yeah, it does. I especially because you think they'd have resources. Well, or you would could, think. you could devote resources. Yeah. Yes, but you would think it, it, they, yeah. so that's where that stands. Um, I want to take our break and it is 501. We're actually late. So let's take a nine minute break 
and be back at 5.10. You're listening to live coverage of the ICEB Executive Committee meeting for 2022. Uh, with Matthew Horsepool and very shortly we'll be joined by Jen Golden and Natalie Martin-Yellow. And if I press this button, I'll sound a bit more like myself. That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? Um, and uh, so, <laughs> yes, um, a, a very interesting session to start things off there, going through all of the resolutions in turn and reporting on them. And some of the resolutions that we thought would be of um of interest were were not they were just kind of just accepted and we moved on and some of the ones that we thought we'd have spent no time at all on we spent lots of time on and i think that's always the way it goes isn't it uh jen is back with us hello jen hello matthew and i wonder if natalie's back with us or not we'll um i think possibly not just yet so it's it's just me and jen but yeah that was a that was that was fun wasn't it yeah, and you know what? As I as I was listening, I thought mm, my prediction was wrong. I should have thought that maybe grade three Braille seems to be the thing that that in the World Braille Council. The World Braille Council didn't yes. surprise me as much. Hello, Natalie. Hello. Um, I was just acknowledging the fact that my prediction was well, somewhat. I guess we did talk about America. I was a little bit off. I I didn't think to off. highlight grade three but Braille, I guess not but that's surprising now that now that we kind of think about it. No, not at all. No. And, and my favorite. My official favorite phrase from these meetings is going to be wallow in Braille Braille geekery. geekery. I love that, yes. <laughs> Which is something we all enjoy too. <laughs> mm. And it comes out, doesn't it? I mean, you know, we talk about Braille shorthand codes and, and you think, yeah, yeah, Braille shorthand codes. Okay, we'll get them documented and we'll move on. And we won't, will we? Because really, when you get a load of blind people who are all passionate braille users in a room sooner or later shorthand codes are going to come up i remember editing a very early episode of Braillecast that actually we ended up publishing uh, more recently than i want to admit we did an interview with dean martino and um oh wow anyone that knows dean i mean dean is just a, a fantastic person and it was it was a real pleasure to sit and interview dean and um, uh, Dave did most of the interview. I kind of just sat in a, in a producer's role. And we did this interview about how Dean had created this amazing shorthand code for himself, you know, just to make best use of his Braille display. And we got to the end of the interview and, you know, Dean and Dave were having a chat and they went, oh, yeah, well, we, we think we can probably get rid of the bit about shorthand codes because it's not all that relevant, really. And when I came to edit it, I thought, no, no, I'm going to leave it in because it's really, I, I just think it's really interesting. <laughs> and I think yeah. this discussion today has firmed, uh, affirmed that that editorial decision was definitely the right decision. Oh, I'm sure it was a highlight, you know, not, not to downplay anything else they talked about, but I, I can imagine that that got a lot of people talking. It, it really, yeah, it was just such a fascinating discussion. And it, it's what happens, I think, when a bunch of, you know, very um, passionate Brailleists get into a room because we all want to use Braille, you know, to, to the best of our ability and to the best of its ability and, uh, you know, make make it as efficient as we can. Yeah, and also, I mean, we've been talking about Braille history all week, and we had that great presentation earlier in the week, and I'm glad that a few people mentioned, you know, needing to document these codes just for historical purposes, because, I mean, the, the Braille story didn't end with Louis Braille, right? So it's good to keep track of all these things that have happened since then. Mm. 
The other real surprise that came out of this for me was the Marrakesh resolution. When Judy turned around and went, oh, well, yeah, the US is doing really well with Marrakesh. Um, I guess other countries are doing well as well. And I kind of just sat there and thought, well, not really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm, sure yeah, about that. I, I'm glad the US is doing well, but the rest of the world's got a long way to catch up, I think. Yeah, I think perhaps, you know, there are, are more questions <laughs> That's, mm. that we need to kind of pursue what's exciting me um i i as part of my employment have a little little bit of work a little bit to do with the accessible books consortium i mean when i say a little bit to do with the accessible books consortium i mean i think i've had two meetings in the space of the past two years or something like it's really not that much but i think the accessible books consortium is going to do wonders for Marrakesh because it's already collecting catalogues of what all the libraries have got and it's starting to roll out I think in fact it came up in one of the country reports they're starting to roll out now the supplementary application which allows users not just libraries but users to access content from other libraries assuming there's a library signed up and assuming that um that that the that the other library has allowed that content to be shared that would be awesome. That would be. I know Jen and I were talking about that before and wondering whether there were any updates there. So that's that's really good to hear. Yeah, it exists. The, the big problem at the moment is that if a library in your country hasn't signed up, then you can't get access to it. So we have this problem at the moment in the UK where we're sort of saying, well, we think RNIB probably needs to sign up. And RNIB is saying, yeah, but no one else has signed up. So we're not going to. And, you know, little organizations like you know torch and caliber are kind of sat there going yeah well we could do it but we don't we don't want to be the main organization that does it because then you know so for example torch is a predominantly christian organization and so you know if we were the only library that was signed up to the uh, supplementary application what would happen is all the people who weren't christians would come and sign up as clients of ours in order to get access to everybody else's books <laughs> and, uh, and we we don't really want you know lots of that would add fake, to your workload yeah we don't it? want yeah. fake clients like that if you forget yeah. the expression so it's just a <laughs> it's a bit of a cat and mouse game at the moment waiting for a library to sign up and it, it's kind of a shame but i think there are issues of compliance going on that's a big deal so for example um marrakesh allows things to be shared my understanding anyway it allows uh, things to be shared with people uh, with a print disability but how do you prove that you have a print disability and so the need for a library to sign up is so that the abc can figure out okay yeah this library's proved that yeah. that there is a print disability there yeah i think it's it's those details you know trying to figure that out and i'm going to i am the keeper of the to-do list for iceb exec meeting so everybody's going to get a to-do that we can all just to follow up with contacts in our own countries to figure out exactly what's going on Mm. so we have another action-packed session now um which we're going to start late and inevitably we're going to finish late because there's going to be a lot of stuff to get through in these uh country reports it's going to be interesting to see how that uh plays out um anything that you're sort of really looking forward to in this next bit I think hearing from all the other country reps will be good because we've read their reports, but, um, you know, with more people again, because it's, it feels a lot more like a general assembly with observers present as well. I think it's just a good opportunity to see what everyone's up to. 
yeah, people in different countries around the world have such good ideas, things that they've done, whether because, you know, they just thought of it and did it, or they have resources that maybe another country doesn't have, or it's just always fascinating to me to read these reports and hear people talk about the initiatives that they have and think, huh, I wonder what of those things we could implement in our country. Well, just before 10 past, I'm going to send uh, Jen and Natalie very promptly off to Zoom so we can start uh, uh, no later than we have to start. And uh, <laughs> so All right, we'll, off we go. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you at the next break. See you soon. And um, this is coverage of the uh, International Council on English Braille Midterm Executive Committee meeting. I think in practice what's going to happen here is that we will have the country reports overrunning and then we will make up time in the last session where there's not so much going on. Uh, so I think overall we will finish on time. Uh, Judy is just talking to Jen and uh, about CanCon. So I'm going to fade Zoom up right now. If you <clears throat> if you would like, that would be fine. Sure. So I'm going to take part of this from the end. So when we you know we talked a little bit yesterday about spelling in Canada and how convoluted that is, and so I thought I would just touch on a couple of words that you may all associate with Canada. A. I just want you all to know that it apparently is in the Canadian Oxford Dictionary. So you know, now it's official. It's apparently officially a Canadian word. And then there's this, this is kind of fun. So there's an author, a Canadian author named Will Ferguson, and he's done a, a bunch of nonfiction things. One of the books he's written is about uh, our, our various prime ministers and leaders. And it's, um, I, I'm not, I'm not, the name isn't necessarily appropriate to say, but it's a very good book. And then he's written, uh, Canadian history for dummies and the funny thing about this book is that it actually is quite entertaining but it is about our history which may everyone kind of thinks oh Canadian history is boring but it actually really isn't when you start getting into it but it was one of the first for dummies book to make it on the international bestseller list so I thought that was kind of cool and finally he's written a book called how to be Canadian even if you already are and there is a whole chapter devoted to the word sorry and it's hilarious because he goes through you know there's there's the sorry that actually means I, i'm very sorry there's a sorry that means pardon i didn't hear you there's a sorry that means well fine then be that way you know when you go, well sorry and it's it's a very entertaining chapter and you know if you want to go and read that i would and you know encourage that i will just say for those of you who think Canadians apologize too often, just so you know, when we, all these times we say we're sorry, we're not always really sorry. I think it just becomes <laughs> habit. I've caught myself saying, sorry, blah, blah. And then I went, Wait a minute, I'm not really sorry. I didn't do anything. <laughs> so don't assume that every time a Canadian says they're sorry, that they actually are. Back over to you, Judy. Thank you, Jen. Okay, this part of the meeting is going to be the country reports. And this is where each someone from the representative to the executive committee from each member country tells us what's been happening in their country that's of interest in the Braille world. So we will take the countries in alphabetical order and we will start with Australia. Hello again. 
since the Seventh uh, General Assembly, our blindness organisations in Australia continue to find ways of promoting Braille and providing Braille to clients in this time of challenge and change. We have some exciting new Braille resources circulating to children in Australia, as well as innovative uh, tactile diagrams and 3D models, which are helping Braille users grapple with uh, visual concepts. The Australian Braille Authority has continued strong involvement with ICEB, as well as holding both blended um, and online uh, meetings. Firstly, though, I wanted to add a name to the in memoriam list that I neglected to do on our first day, Julian Lee. He passed away in November 2020. Uh, he was blind from birth, was an incredible uh, jazz musician. He was born in New Zealand, spent significant time in Sydney, Australia, arranging music for the ABC, as well as in New Zealand for the New Zealand Broadcasting Service. He then moved to America, where he arranged with George Shearing and Frank Sinatra. And um, he's, he was a terrific musician, attended the National Braille Music Camps from 1995 to 2000, mentoring uh, students. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, sharing his knowledge in a humorous and humble way. Our organisations have kept very busy trying to um, meet the needs of our clients, during this time, our transcription uh, staff at Vision Australia have been particularly busy with the STEM subjects and music production um, through a government initiative and disability funding uh, with which they supported. Uh, we've transitioned most staff to home, establishing an office roster um, for staff coming into the offices. Um, Vision Australia continues to support the Daisy Music Braille project as we move towards developing the Make Braille translation software. The arrival of a UV printer in 2020 has been a very exciting initiative to an addition to the transcription team. Uh, to our knowledge, this machine has not been used for this purpose before. To produce uh, tactile photographs, I've just got a couple of them behind me here. This is a photo of my uh, retired and current guide dog. I don't know if you can see that. Can someone with vision see that? I don't know. Yes, Jordi, yeah. Yes. To see. Yep. So yep. It's, it's made with acrylic, uh, on, on an acrylic board and with resin that is um, producing, the, producing the tactile in layers as well as in colour. Um, we have also recently purchased a laser cutter, which um, allows for making jigsaw puzzles and other um, tools to help people develop spatial skills. The Felix team, which is a, a library for young readers, have rolled out a passport program to encourage uh, re-engagement with creating borrowing for six to, uh, children from uh, zero to seven. The Statewide Vision Resource Centre suffered quite a loss of uh, staff during the COVID time. However, during the last couple of years, Aussie Dots, which is a program uh, produced for young Braille readers, has um, come to the end of set 10, have produced some more books, which um, use more contractions. 
including books for older beginning Braille readers. And so maybe we need to add that to Natalie's list, I've just thought. Um, the Statewide Vision Resource Centre has kept, been kept very busy transcribing 16 maths textbooks um, and mountains of Braille music <laughs> for students. We've created several uh, 3D printing kits, more 3D printing for supporting children um, transitioning between real object and a tactile diagram, sort of a, a different uh, way of viewing information. Animals, plant cells, a solar system, that sort of information. The Statewide Vision Resource Centre has also um, blended, uh, had online programs for uh, students between three and eight, the Dot Power program and the Support Skills program for students who are older from, uh, from age 10 to 17, where they come and learn blindness specific skills. We had to put all those programs online. The New South Wales uh, Department of Education Vision um, continue to support students both in school and remotely. They offer, they also offer uh, scholarships for inclusive um, education at a master's degree level with a specialised um, area of uh, education for the vision impaired. Next Sense, another organisation, is uh, pleased to advise that registrations for the UEB literacy and maths training programs that are online, the UEB online program, they continue to grow. And since the roundtable conference in May 2014, more than 23,000 people have registered for the UEB literacy training program and 5,000 people for the, uh, yeah, for the three maths programs. Um, NextSense has also released a Braille needs assessment, which incorporates uh, clinical and functional information about a student's vision and uh, references the challenges they face. They also produce lots of uh, 3D models and a large print and tactile high contrast diagrams and things too. Braille House, which is an 125-year-old organisation comprising mainly of volunteers, um, have an online library catalogue now, and they also run a, an annual competition, writing competition, and they're also taking uh, research into better utilising uh, technology to ensure that they're serving their clients better. Uh, in terms of awards for Australians in the field of Braille, Trisha Dapachi, some of you might know, received a medal in the Order of Australia Honours List in January 2022 for her services to education for uh, people with vision impairment. Trisha is a staff member at the Next Sense organisation, uh, lead consultant in vision impairment, <clears throat> and she's the author of Dap Dots, which is another program for early learners. The, uh, this year, the uh, Queensland held a state-based national, uh, sorry, national state-based music camp, comprising mainly of workshops. Uh, there was a choir, um, and it was just great to see that a music camp happened in person this year. And we hope that uh, perhaps later in September we'll have a national Braille music camp, which is a, which would be the first one since 2019. The Queensland Department of Education Services has released a 
series of alphabet songs in Braille. Some of you may have read about those in Mary Schnackenberg's uh, newsletter, the ICEB newsletter edited by Mary. So these 26 letter songs include the Braille dot numbers and the alphabet, uh, word signs, contractions, and each letter in the English alphabet. Queen, the Queensland Braille um, Education Service has also released a Braille learning, early learning progression, which is available on their website. The Australian Braille Authority has continued to actively promote Braille through blended activities uh, conducted by our regional Braille forums. We have active forums in New South Wales, in Sydney and in Queensland. The um, Sydney Braille Forum has conducted two very successful awards nights to um, culminating their, um, excuse me, their writing competition for young students. <clears throat> um, in Queensland, although they weren't able to conduct too many face-to-face -face meetings over the past couple of years, have had strong engagement too with their, with their children. Um, in Braille Club, which is a very well-known program for us here for young children and activities of Braille. Uh, just publicising, in conclusion, our publications on the Braille Australia website, uh, the Unified English Braille Training Manual, which no doubt you're all very familiar, the DBT Producers Manual, which is needing to be updated, but it is there. Um, obviously, our rules for Unified English Braille, ICEB, we link to also. Um, and the Australian Braille Authority Guides for the Transcription of Foreign Languages, which is our newest publication. Um, we also have a Facebook page. And um, in my report, you'll see the stats for that. And uh, our website, which is highly accessed. Um, we have Braille in public spaces, a Braille honour roll, and, and Leona Holloway has very kindly already added some information about Charles Barbier over the last couple of days um, following our uh, historical presentation. We have an Ausbraille email list, which is where you can keep up to date with all Braille-related activities. Braille accreditation, the uh, Australia and New Zealand, we continue to jointly conduct the annual Trans-Tasman Proficiency Certificate. Although Australia couldn't run the certificate in 2020, um, happily we ran it last year and um, this year it's New Zealand's turn to produce the materials. So we're looking forward to seeing what they come up with. So I think that's about it for Australia. My um, thanks to the ABA Executive Committee and to the Roundtable on Information Access who always support my work and the Australian Braille Authority's connection to ICEB, um, both Leona Holloway, Cathy Reeson, and our other Australian members. Um, I thank you most sincerely for all your, your hard work and your support. Thank you, Jordy. That was terrific. Okay, Jen, or Canada, who I don't know who's going for Canada. So, Canada. All right. Hi, um, Natalie. Jen. Yes, although there will be a cameo appearance by Natalie. Oh, okay. So, so wait for it. It's coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Poor Natalie, as I like totally put her on the spot. She knew, she knew I was going to ask her to do this. Okay. So lots of, lots has happened since the, the GA in 2020. And so I just wanted to highlight a few 
BLC activities, as well as a couple of other Braille related things that I thought, you know, would be uh, good for people to know about. And so I'm going to start with the Braille Zoomers. We may have talked about this program before. It's a program for adults, Braille learners that that we uh, launched in April of 2020. And this is where Natalie comes in because I thought, hey, we actually have Natalie here. And she's the one who really, this was sort of her, you know, this was her idea. And she really has, has kind of been, has been the lead on this initiative. And, and actually Daphne has, um, one of our moderators has done a tremendous amount of work with the Zoomers as well. And so I thought, why don't we have Natalie talk about this briefly and then I'll go on and finish the report. All right. Well, thank you, Jen. Um, so some of you may have heard about this program. We launched it back at the start of the pandemic. Um, and we really wanted to just give adult Braille learners an opportunity to practice their Braille, meet other adult Braille learners, meet lifelong Braille users, share tips, resources, strategies. It's um, There was really a need and still is a need in Canada, especially because everyone is just so spread apart. So it's very possible to kind of go through all of this without meeting a Braille reader for a long time. So um, through this virtual program, participants meet once a month on Zoom, and we, we have a theme guiding the session, but it's very informal. So um, we really let the discussion just go where it will go. And if, if participants have questions um, about something they're learning uh, about at the moment in Braille or just um, want to talk about a specific strategy or aspect of braille reading or writing we we will do that there's a lot of uh, sharing resources um, we also launched a listserv so that people could contact each other between sessions continue to share resources and one of the things we're really excited about is the braille starter kit which we're able to offer uh, free of charge thanks to different grants and private donors. And we have many really great tools for learning Braille in this kit that we we selected as, as a team on the BLC board. Um, so things like a slate and stylus and flashcards and a Dymo Braille labeler and um, stories in uncontracted Braille that are more, more motivating for adults and many other items. You can find the whole list on our website. And so we've been distributing the, these across uh, the country. We've already um, distributed 40, around 40 kits um, over the past year. And that continues. We keep getting, uh, we keep receiving more and more requests. So that's really exciting. Um, and we also really encourage people who haven't started learning Braille to just email us and, and attend because maybe they're thinking about it, but they're not sure. And then they show up and we all tell them how great Braille is. And that's, that's the way, that's the way in. So we're really excited to continue with this program in the future. And um, one of the things we're planning to do next is um, thanks to an idea that one of our members uh, who some of you will know, Betty Noble, we're looking at starting a kind of a reading buddy program so that Braille learners could um, meet up with experienced Braille users over Zoom and uh, practice their Braille reading. Awesome, thanks. Thanks, Natalie. So just to move on, uh, World Braille Day, which we all know and love, uh, in Canada, what we have started to do 
in in celebration of this, uh, BLC collaborated with the Canadian Council of the Blind, the CNIB Foundation, the Center for Equitable Library Access, the National Network for Equitable Library Service, and the Provincial Resource Center for the Visually Impaired. And that Provincial Resource Center is in British Columbia. So we had a set of online events in January and we started with, so the sessions were sort of geared to people of all ages and all kind of connections to Braille. So like educators, teachers, students, readers, parents, all this kind of thing. And so we started off with a panel of Braille users and we talked about it was something like looking through the crystal ball and we talked about different uh, just technology and how it's changed over the years. And we, we talked about, we did some speculating as to uh, things that might happen in the future with Braille. And then we had a session on uh, French Braille resources that are available. And we had, had one on um, accessibility in public libraries and introducing Braille code in the classroom setting in the mainstream classroom setting and plans are already underway for for next year and we had a lot of fun planning it. So with regard to access to Braille again the Center for Equitable Library Access otherwise known as CELA, is one of our accessible libraries and I know I've talked about single use Braille and I just wanted to highlight it again here because it is such a it's such a great service that's offered where you can have the book produced for you in hard copy if you would like it and then you just keep it and and it turns out that this ends up being more efficient cost-wise than paying for storage of all kinds of braille books and so it's, it's a neat service and otherwise the you know they're kind of provided as brf files you can you can download them and also I wanted to highlight NELS, which is our, our other major accessible library that I mentioned that we, they kind of took the lead on the World Braille Day events actually uh, with Ryan LaPere. So um, that, that was, uh, like I said, that was a good time was had by all, but NELS has a repository of content that is uh, owned and sustained by Canadian public libraries and it provides books in accessible formats and they've really increased over the last I don't know several months couple of years they've really increased the amount of braille that they have in their collection so that's really exciting and about a year ago the federal government kind of wanted to cut some of the library funding and thanks to a well-organized campaign coordinated by representatives of CELA and NELS by the, these two libraries and we BLC in conjunction with them we hosted a session just to let the community know what was going on and because this was so well organized by the the coordinators from CELA and NELS they actually were able to push back effectively and so the funding was reinstated at least for now so we hope that we can keep having this funding going obviously to uh, provide much more braille and accessible content. So now I just want to take a quick look at our braille certification numbers in 2020 and 2021. I did have some numbers up to like March or April of 2022, but just focus on 2020 and 2021. And I caught an error in my table, which I have corrected in the documents that are in the Dropbox folder for those of you on the ICEB exec. So the UEB update that, that uh, CNIB administers basically they it, it's administered kind of on behalf of BLC so it's the uh, it, it's 
the CNIB Braille, CNIB BLC Braille certification. And there's an update where if you're a transcriber, proofreader, you've already got your certification from pre, you know, from EBAE, you do an update and an exam. And so in 2020, there were two of those in 2021, in not 1921, 2021, <laughs> 1921's easier to say, there was one. And for the transcriber certification, which basically is people starting from scratch, right? They hadn't been certified pre-UEB. In 2020, there were 26. And the table says that there were 26 in 2021, but that is actually, there were 25. So that's a correction there. And then UEB technical, seven in 2020 and 11 in 2021. Music in 2020, two people were certified. And in 2021, one person was certified. And so definitely we, we do uh, need more music braille uh, transcribers. Just quickly, other items of note, we're in the process, BLC is in the process of updating our accessible signage guidelines. And so once we have a version on our website, which we we uh, looked at the New Zealand guidelines, that was really what helped us form the basis. So thank you, New, Ze New Zealand, for uh, giving us permission to do that. And we, um, we will be soon updating our website with the latest version. The graphing calculator guidelines are being updated to bring them in line with uh, UEB technical. And thank you to Bonnie Reed for all the work she's done. It's it's just in the final review stages within BLC, and then we're it's uh, getting to that. And then we're gonna we will share it with uh, Banna as well for review and input, and then uh, get it out to people. So that's uh, and then. Our teaching and learning committee, this is a BLC committee that we've had for a number of years. It used to do a lot of research. Um, Dr. Kay Holbrook was very instrumental in that committee. And it still has a little bit of that component, but they've done a lot of a lot of other content. One of the things of to highlight is that one of the workshops that they did in, I believe it was like April of 2020, it was on teaching Braille remotely. And so that I'm sure was was extremely helpful to TVIs as they were trying to figure out how to work with students remotely when schools were in lockdown. And so all our, I think Natalie mentioned this at some point, maybe it was on the podcast, but our um, previous workshops are available on our website. People can go and, and find them and, and listen and watch. So that's, uh, and they're, they're up to a lot of other good stuff now too, the teaching and learning committee. So I wanted to highlight them. We also now have a program that we can make French print Braille books available across the country. And so people sort of put in requests and re we reimburse them. It's it's based on availability of funding. And so we still have some some funding left in that uh, in that uh, grant, in that account. And thanks to generous donors, BLC has been able to establish an endowment that will help to ensure that we are sustainable for many years to come. And so that's really exciting. And we're very grateful to those who have donated to BLC to help support the organization. We hosted our first annual Braille Symposium in 2021. And it's kind of funny to talk, feel, to, you know, mention it right now because the next one is coming up in just over a week on June 17th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. And you can write to us if you haven't registered and would like to. And we have people, international speakers, including the Braillists and a number of other 
um, and other things as a number of other things as well. So I don't want to go into too much detail now because I'm sort of running low on time. But just to say that it was such a success last year that we're doing it again. And we it's always something that's very well attended. And we're really excited about that. We're really excited that we can bring um you know, we can bring this kind of content. Dr. Robert Engelbretson will be speaking and um, we'll have uh, paths to literacy. And I know there's something else I'm forgetting, Natalie, if I know we have four things and that's okay. You can go to BrailleLiteracyCanada.ca. Yes, sorry, I was muted. You hear me? We do. I do. Anyway. Sorry about that. I was busy tweeting on the ICEB account. There we um, go. Thank you. <laughs> So you're asking about the symposium? Yeah, I talked about yes. uh, Robert Engelbretson, Paths to Literacy, yes. and the Brailleists. Hadley I, as well. Hadley, yes, thank you. Um, that was the other one. Brailleists, exactly. And yes. then we also have a trivia event. It's a separate event, but it's on the same day. Um, so come come and join us for some Braille trivia if, if you can. Be lots of fun. Yes, and just a little point of note, the game Trivial Pursuit was invented by Scott Abbott and Chris Haney, who are Canadian. <laughs> There's always an opportunity for a CanCon moment, always. and that's basically the end of my report. My conclusion is about thanking people, and it's not that I don't want to thank people, but I'm going to have an opportunity to do that later today at the end of the session. So with that, I will conclude. Thank you, Jen and Natalie. Okay, now we're going to move on to Ireland. Hi, Judy. Hi, everyone. This is Ilka here from Ireland. I feel like I'm a Eurovision reporter saying that. Anyway, <laughs> um, Ireland was always, I think, the, the younger relation since INBAF joined ICEB. But I'm very happy to report that we reached the milestone of 10 years. And I'll come back to that at the end of my report. Um, Braille provision in Ireland since the GA um, still covered a lot of the time in the pandemic. On the positive side, Braille production in the different production centers increased quite dramatically. We think this has both to do with um, different working forms and patterns. For a lot of transcribers, working remotely actually worked very well. You just had to make sure that enough people were in the office to do the embossing and posting out as well. But it had also to do with um, schools changing the, the way they were teaching and some materials being ordered and explored and tried out that hadn't been done previously. So all in all, it was quite positive and the high production levels have continued this year. Um, in all organizations for people with visual impairment in Ireland, very inventive ways were sought to bring a service to people. I would just like to highlight two in terms of the early years all around the country, we um, put little packets together, activity packets with pre-Braille toys, and then had instructions, even with the very small ones on Zoom, which worked very, very well. Um, for older participants, you then had cake recipes with um, you know, baking mix and stuff like this. One thing um, that I'd also like to mention that actually doesn't have to do much with Braille is the equine occupational therapy unit at Child Vision. A lot of our children in preschool and primary school have regular horse riding or occupational therapy classes, and the children are really missing the horses. So our colleagues actually took a horse box and drove all around the wider Dublin area and brought the, house, uh, the horses 
to the children's houses, whether it was in housing estates or flats or in parks, and um, that went down a treat, um, needless to say. Um, this year, we're very happy that some in-person events can um, recommence. So in May, we had a festival called Towers and Tales, which is a literacy and reading festival, mostly for children in the south of Ireland. And um, Child, Vision, Child Vision was there with tactile books, with um, braille quizzes. And it was very nice to be represented in a very mainstream event. And usually interest is very high. Um, in terms of other areas INBAV has been active in, was the state examinations have resumed as normal after we had two years with calculated grades and different forms um, of examinations or assessment. And there are two main braille transcribers in the country who are both linked to INBAV. So INBAV are not providing the examinations, but there's information flow in both directions which helps us very much because what INBAF does do is to, to provide quality assurance on two courses. One is the Pharma Braille course run by the NCBI. The other one is the Learn Braille course for sighted learners who will be supporting Braille readers run by Child Vision for now 14 years. Our UEB steering committee didn't have much to do because we have completed the UEB implementation in 2017-18. However, the committee is monitoring if or whether there are any issues coming up, but at the moment this is a resting committee. Our UIB committee, the updated Irish Braille committee, however, is just being resurrected. If you remember, we presented in 2016 in Baltimore on the creation of a proper Irish Braille code aligned with UEB. And after two rounds of feedback, um, we are now ready to take the hopefully final step at adjusting some of the word signs and then to link in with both um, Liblui and Doxbury to have that implemented in the software as well. Stuart Lawler already mentioned uh, Music Braille in one of his contributions the other night. And um, just to reiterate that it is very positive and um, I think I'm quite hopeful about um, what Stuart said in that teachers have been a little bit energized by the pandemic because the different modes of teaching and delivery raise the awareness for the importance of music braille. Um, Arbor Hill Prison, who is one of the founding members of INBAF, there is a braille production unit there. And um, the director of that, um, Greg Flanagan, is running a Perkins loan scheme. So anybody who wants to try out a Perkins um, or indeed has problems with their Perkins can contact Greg and he is also certified to repair Perkins and has done the course in Perkins in the US. It was very nice to hear the Braillists being mentioned. Um, I'm very honored to be serving as a board member of the Braillists and this has provided a very nice link for InBuff and indeed um, some cooperation between the Braillists in the UK and um, people interested in Braille in Ireland. 
also mentioned before was the Low Vision Conference um, hosted by ISLA and the VISPA, the Alliance of Services for the Visually Impaired in Ireland, which will take place in July. So we're very happy that that has come to take place after um, having been scheduled for 2020, then 2021. So fingers crossed, it'll all go ahead well in July. Which brings me back to talking about the 10-year anniversary while we reached our 10 years in May, there was just too much on. So we will have a proper celebration in October. And until then, we are also in the process of reviewing our setup. We want to set goals for the next 10 years, maybe two or three, but a um, little bit longer term. And we are looking at our governance. It's just a good time to have a general review. And I think sometimes it's also helpful to look back and say, you know, in the day to day, you think you're not making much progress, but looking back 10 years is a very good exercise for everyone involved in, in Braille and Ireland. So, um, yeah. So thank you, everyone in ICB for giving us the support and the feedback. And here's to another 10 years. Thank you. Thank you, Ilka. That was terrific. Thanks. OK, New Zealand. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Um, this report covers for New Zealand the period uh, since the ICEB's 7th General Assembly in 2020. And at the end, I'll just um, check with you, Mary, if you've got anything to add. Uh, so the trusts and trustees, the trust we set standards um, and, and make rulings on Braille code usage within New Zealand. We maintain awareness and consistency of current international developments in all Braille codes and accredit uh, practitioners involved with Braille production. The Braille promotion, we promote Braille as the prime literacy medium for blind people and promote best practice in teaching, acquisition and distribution of Braille. Uh, there are 11 trustees um, in Banzat um, and they're drawn from a wide range of teachers, producers and users of Braille. Uh, there is a healthy re refresh of trustees who bring new perspectives to the table. The Banzat website um, is well established with links to Braille manuals and information about Banzat activities. Our Facebook page um, is reaching out to followers in several countries. My nice hard copy. Um, so activities since the October 2020 Banzat works with ICEB committees to contribute to and learn from Braille developments. Um, each year, Banzat collaborates with the Australian Braille Authority to set and administer the Trans-Tasman Certificate of Proficiency in Unified English Braille. We have worked out the costs of running the examination. Costs are now shared among the organisations who put forward candidates for the exam. We have introduced a resits option for candidates who are unsuccessful at their first attempt. Since the Trans-Tasman Certificate was um, launched in 2008, 100, 194 New Zealand candidates have passed the examination. We have adopted a three-year strategic plan to cover the, years, um, the year to 30 June 2024. And one goal is to work with the Organisation of Indigenous Blind New Zealanders, Kapo Māori, Aotearoa, to look into whether a Grade 2 Braille code 
should be developed for Te Reo Māori, which is one of New Zealand's three official languages. And another goal uh, sees us working with the founding organisations of BANZET to explore funding options to secure the future sustainability of our standard setting and accreditation work. BANZET celebrated its 10th anniversary on the 17th of November 2020. The event was hosted at Blind and Low Vision Education Network NZ Blends, one of the five founding organisations of BANZET. A moving highlight of the celebration was a performance by adult musicians who, as part of their learning Braille, had asked to be, had asked to be taught Braille music. Violin, viola and flute players performed and sang all their works um, being uh, learned from scores written in Braille music. Their teacher was a Braille instructor from Blind Low Vision, from Blends, the service provider of adults. Um, in January 2021, the biennial Braille Music Retreat was held at the Homai campus of Blends. Braille music readers from around New Zealand came together to work on 12 choral pieces, as well as playing other music together, enjoying informal evening concerts and meeting old and new friends. New Zealand, sorry, new members at the retreat were from the group of adult new Braille learners who had uh, recently learned Braille music. Music making and the reading and writing of Braille music continues to be an important focus for blends learners. Music programs, programs are often supported by adult Braille music users who teach and mentor our young people. COVID-19 has inspired creative online options to help learners maintain momentum when they are unable to meet face-to-face. -face. 2022 marks an important milestone of 20 years for the monthly music school program held at Blends Homeo Campus. Teachers at Blends work with Banzat to run competitions, promoting Braille among their learners. Poetry competitions run in 2020 and 2021 have proved very popular among learners, teachers and families. Imaginative age-appropriate prizes have been awarded to um, the poem's young authors. Another competition is planned for 2022. And uh, finally for me, in the response to the COVID-19 COVID pandemic, the New Zealand government has funded production and several pamphlets. At least one local authority has made available their emergency preparedness information in Braille. Um, so that's the report that I shared. Uh, Mary, is there anything that you'd like to add as you are um, here as well? I think Mary left at nine o'clock. Oh. oh, sorry. Okay, well, that's my report then, Judy. All right, thank you very much. Okay, South Africa. Thank you, uh, President. Um, I would quickly touch on the activities um, we have embarked on during the past two years as the South African Braille Authority. The Sabah Blandese Braille Training 
one of, uh, of the activities. Uh, Suburb Blan SA training workshop is still alive and training was offered in different uh, provinces of the country. During the last two years, the partnership accounted for the following uh, training programs. We had six sessions funded by the National Skills Fund, National, Devel National Skills Development uh, Fund, which is NSF, uh, which were facilitated on Braille Grade 2, which is contracted. We had one session funded by the Department of Basic Education, uh, DBE in short, which was facilitated in the Free State, which is one of the provinces in South Africa. And Blandese also offered training to the University of Pretoria. Another training session which focused on Braille Grade 1 funded by the Education Training and Development Practices Sector Education and Training Authority, in short is ETDP Sector, was offered in KwaZulu-Natal, which is the last of the year under reporting period. Apart from these sessions, a refresher training was done in the Eastern Cape as a follow-up to those schools who benefited from programs that were uh, conducted in the previous years. This comprehensive refresher training also included tactile graphics, universal design and preparation of braille documentations, which were presented to teachers. The remedial training was done for NSF and KZN beneficiaries, and they were declared competent afterwards. South, Africa, South African Library for the Blind, the South African Library for the Blind also did some valuable uh, work in Braille in the country during this period. The SALB, in short, partnered with 16 other countries under TIFLO and uh, TECTAS that culminated in the hosting of the local tactile picture books uh, competition, which was facilitated in terms of international tactile standards upheld by uh, TIFLO and TECTAS. The SALB also runs outreach programs to schools. Some of the beneficiaries to the outreach program include the Kanisa School for the Blind in the Eastern Cape, which is one of the provinces in South Africa, an ECD preschool group of Ngosinati Foundation, which is one of the organizations uh, in the Eastern Cape, the Hollywood Family College, where several learners were being mainstreamed, which is one of the uh, colleges in Gauteng, Sibonile School and uh, Zamoguche School also benefited. These programs are important in growing interest by young ones and also to encourage teachers to present tactile materials as interesting subject to learners. In commemorating the Braille Day, the library also republished their um, long 
circulated publication known as the Louis Braille Bulletin, which had stopped to circulate some few years ago. This publication also included information about organizations uh, playing invaluable roles in ensuring that continued existence of Braille in the country. And uh, the one other committee on uh, is the Africans Rules Committee, which is hard at work. Since the Africans Braille Rules Committee was reconstituted by the previous executive committee of Saba and confirmed at the Saba Virtual General Assembly held on 25 and to 27 May 2021, the committee has started work uh, on the revision of the Africans contractions uh, rules to align them as closely as possible with UEB. The main objective is to simplify the contractions rules and to make them less dependent on pronunciation, as one of the speakers yesterday had said. Discussions are conducted via Africans mailing list and each section of the draft manual is being discussed and adopted by the uh, group with a view to eventually submit decisions to Saba for approval at the General Assembly. The proposed changes are conveyed to ordinary readers via a series of informative magazines uh, and articles. The committee had concluded on the following, which are quite interesting, alphabetic contractions and uh, single cell word signs, the single cell contractions, lower contractions, two cell contractions, uh, short forms, preference, and bridging. African Languages Committee, uh, here we do not have many activities taking place uh, for this committee due to poor communication uh, that led to members uh, not committing to their responsibilities. And it's a, it's a downside because the African languages have a lot of work to be done, and yet we are not seeing uh, activities taking place. The World Read Aloud Day, which we reported on, Blind SA and Saba used uh, to facilitate the World Read Aloud Day, uh, events in the past. Due to the COVID-19, this ex exciting event could not be held in 2020 and 2021. The South African National Council for the Blind, uh, SANC being short and Blind SA, did hold this event in 2022. SANCB held it on the traditional World Read Aloud Day on 2 February, whereas Blind SA and uh, Saba did it all, uh, during the week of 21 to 26 Feb uh, 2022. The Lego Braille, which we also reported on, uh, the Blind SA and uh, the Danish Royal Embassy have introduced the Lego Braille to schools. A workshop was held uh, end of February, beginning of March, which introduced this exciting subject to, to uh, people who are attending. And the it was facilitated by 
two representatives from the Lego Braille Foundation and Blind SA staff and uh, officials, and some schools attended the workshop. This is precursory to the project being introduced to schools in the Western Cape and uh, Haute in Western Cape being one of our provinces. Lastly, it's on the General Assembly that uh, we just want to make it known that the General Assembly this year where would be held in July instead of its traditional month of May um, because of logistical reasons. Uh, so we are looking forward to that exciting uh, event. Just in passing, President, if I can say, the, the Copyright Act, uh, which we always reported on the the, the insertion of 19, Section 19D into the current Copyright Act, uh, as we said earlier, is something that was heard at the Constitutional Court um, on the 12th of May. But what is important this time around is that uh, we want to announce that the, uh, the, the judgment is reserved, meaning that we are going to wait just a little bit uh, until we know the fate of that process. But we are very much positive that we're going to get the reading in of Section 19D, which also caters for cross-border material, uh, into the current uh, Copyright Act of 1978. And uh, we think that is going to be very much uh, exciting that we can achieve that because it would mean that half of our work in terms of advocating for the include for the access of uh, reading material by blind people in their alternative formats would be achieved thanks colleagues for listening to me that's our report thank you very much if any that was terrific that sounds like some good news all right we it is six o'clock and um my i propose that we finish the country reports and then um, go through the final items because I don't think they'll take an hour, but every time I say that we get off on some tangent and <laughs> and it does, but let's, um, if everybody's okay with that, let's just go for it. Okay, yes, I hear when your microphone comes on, James, uh, the whole uh, dynamic changes. Yes, okay, United Kingdom. Hello. So, hello from the UK, as uh, the uh, Eurovision said, as, uh, as, uh, as Ilka said earlier. Um, I don't propose to read everything in the report. You can do that yourself. Um, information was sent out with the conference pack, but I will have <coughs> a few things. Um, so, UK Association for Accessible Format continues to be the so the organisation in the UK overseeing Braille and all kinds of other alternative formats. There are two main Braille groups, the Braille General Group, which discusses general topics for Braille, and the Braille Coding Group, which has been described by one of my esteemed colleagues as the boffins. Um, and we discuss things like grade one indicators um, like we were doing last night. One of the projects that we have done in the last couple of years is to send a, a, 
to release a sheet which goes from UEB back to the older standard English braille. So this is like the opposite way round from what we did when we launched UEB, when people needed to learn UEB from the old code. And now there are people who have only learned the new code and might need to learn to read something in the old code. Um, so that was released. It's a single sheet, hopefully a, a single sheet, I should say, double-sided braille. Try and get as much on as possible on a single A4 piece of paper. Another project which has consumed more time than we imagined when we started it was creating a new Duxbury template which conforms much more closely to UK formatting conventions. Um, now, we could talk for a long time about formatting, and as I said the other day, I think about the only thing that we all agree on internationally is an ordinary paragraph um, being the first line indented to cell three. Um, so there's been quite a lot of work to get the Duxbury template for the UK to actually look like UK stuff. So we've done things like adding lines of dots to five preceded by a dot five, which is a lovely horizontal line, um, which we tend to use at the end of chapters, and end of major sections, and end of volumes and things like that. That work continues. Um, and if anybody from Duxbury is listening, I do hope to be able to send you a lot of information very soon. We're also considering various maths issues. Um, we've mentioned some of that yesterday, so I won't go into more detail. And there have been all sorts of other interesting questions like the overuse of typeform indicators. Um, are they overused in some cases or are they underused? And another potentially very interesting project is the creation of what we are kind of terming a higher level braille teaching reading scheme which bridges the gap between once you've learned all the contractions and all the other bits and pieces you might actually find in a real life library book things like extra bits of punctuation italic signs print page indicators and all sorts of other bits and bobs like that so we're investigating whether we should uh, make a scheme mike re-entering howell join the meeting yes mike come through we are also um looking into uh, along similar lines the reintroduction of a braille reading competition in the uk it's something that used to happen many years ago i don't actually know when it stopped um but uh, we're thinking about reintroducing that um has all sorts of benefits for proficiency and confidence for particularly younger braille readers which is great Turning to music, Geordie, I'd love to have one of those Braille music camps in the UK. Um, but uh, what I would report on here is the Gardener's Trust Braille Music Literacy Awards. So it, 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 it's along similar lines to a, a reading competition, um, but it's music, not just ordinary literary text. And those tests are being revised this year to include not just reading a couple of bars of music and then playing it back, but now it will include writing some music, reading some 
music, answering questions on a score, playing a bit. rhythms, all sorts of interesting things to launch them very shortly. Now, um, this organization has already been mentioned a couple of times um, this evening, today, um, which is the Brailists Foundation. I would like to acknowledge the tremendous amount of work that the Brailists have done, particularly over the last couple of years. They've had weekly uh, social calls to start with during the early days in 2020 and uh, now they're regular master classes where you can learn all sorts of interesting topics from using a slate and stylus what we call a hand frame in the UK through to a Perkins brailler or the best way to use your iPhone with braille um, we've had a session on grade three we did have a session on Braille music. We've had all kinds of topics and you can find all that information on the Brailleists website, which is www.brailleists.org. And as has been said, they will be guests at the Canadian Braille Literacy Canada Symposium next week. Um, the Brailleists also do Braille for Beginners classes and a braille bar where you can ask all sorts of interesting questions about braille and believe me there have been some very interesting ones highly successful and really great initiative and last but not least i will come to the rnib library so as canada said they've gone to an on-demand braille single use library the rnib has also done a similar thing and it means that all sorts of advantages are potentially available such as if 50 people all request the same book at once they can all actually have a copy rather than waiting three years for everybody to return it you also get clean fresh braille every time and we've and other things such as try and make the books entirely recyclable should people wish to dispose of them and i'm sorry i'm going to mention the p word again the pandemic during that time there have been lockdowns in the uk and one of those resulted in the closure of the physical building of our library before we moved to the single use on demand braille and we thought what can we do for all our braille readers who don't get any books anymore because they were all actually stacking up in huge postal crates outside the buildings they're being returned we did actually ask people not to return books for a while um, but still huge great postal crates were outside the building so with the launch of braille displays such as the orbit reader we started off by thinking well hang on a moment it's pointless giving an orbit reader or people buying an orbit reader and having a blank card with it no books that would kind of be a bit defeatist really so we started with i think a couple of dozen books as just a sample on that card and when it got to 2020 we thought well hang on if the library's closed we need to put a few more than uh, just 20 so we managed to release about 700 there and then last year we did 2000 and that has been an incredibly popular um, offering get so many books on 
a thing not much bigger than your thumbnail. And quite honestly, there's room for many, many more. And we are constantly uploading more electronic books to our reading services platform. I'd like to finish by thanking particularly colleagues in RNIB, UCAF and ICEB for all their help and support. It is very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, James. And uh, now last, but definitely not least, FM. <clears throat> Good evening, everyone. It's evening here in Pittsburgh. And this is the report from the United States. This year, 2022, marks one decade since the decisive and historic vote to adopt unified English Braille in the United States. Um, and the meeting in November of 2012 at, um, in Los Angeles. And after that vote of the US members of BANA, um, there were four years of, of frantic planning. <laughs> so the implementation could take place in January of 2016 on Louis Braille's birthday. So um, in the six years since then, a lot of work has been done uh, in implementing uh, UEB. And um, to date, 950 transcribers have been certified in Unified English Braille by the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, NLS. An additional 480 transcribers have added a letter of UEB proficiency to an existing transcriber or proofreading certification. And so reading materials for adults um, and, and leisure reading for, for, for children to the library are widely available. Judy had mentioned earlier um, how many books have been uh, released because of the, the Marrakesh uh, Treaty. Um, and uh, both in Braille and uh, audio. Um, in 2017, and NLS worked with the Perkins School for the Blind to complete a pilot evaluation of the orbit. In 2019, NLS began a private pilot program to evaluate two refreshable Braille display reading devices that could be used with NLS materials. And then once that project is complete, the devices would then be available free to pat patrons um, of the National Library Service. Um, Braille producers have been creating lots of um, books for, for children as well, uh, both new and familiar titles. And um, we make the point that the significant accuracy improvements in Braille translation software um, and used in screen readers and, and uh, other Braille devices has um, really helped with making more consistent Braille um, uh, produced and makes real progress towards meeting the, the purpose of, of UEB adoption to begin with. Um, textbook transcriptions are also continuing apace. Um, the uh, United States has 130,930 um, both private and public schools, um, kindergarten through 12th grade, 98,755 public schools. So it takes um, um, a while in a country as large and diverse as the US 
with each of the 50 states having its own system for production and procurement of, of Braille to um, implement this, this was a major code change, um, but the uh, Braille materials production centers and uh, instructional material centers and Braille production houses have been up to the task and working diligently to get textbooks out to, to children. Um, in the United States, of course, both UEB and Nemeth are, um, and Nemeth is an official code in the United States as well. So both UEB and Nemeth can be used for technical material science and math. Um, and so the, um, that has caused a bit of confusion in that uh, the um, Nemeth code is being, um, ha has been, uh, there's a provisional guidance document on the BANA website so that Nemeth symbols would be embedded inside UEB text. Um, so that children wouldn't need to be learning a code that wasn't being supported anymore, English Braille American Edition. Um, and so there had been some confusion in some states related to um, which code um, needed to be provided um, to, to students. Um, Banna created a position paper trying to clarify the terminology of um, the, the code so that um, people who were uh, in charge of ordering and procuring materials would know which, which code is being used by individual students for textbooks and standardized testing. And um, so I think that that word is uh, slowly trickling down. Some states, of course, have been really on top of it, and some have um, are, are still uh, reporting some confusions. But um, it's uh, again, it's a kind of a work in progress, and um, because the standardized tests, in particular, are uh, mandated through federal law, uh, federal education law, so um, that has been, um, there have been a number of initiatives in the United States that uh, through um, different organizations to, um, to focus on the procurement of um, appropriate materials for, for children, uh, for standardized testing and for textbooks. Um, but I would say a lot of progress has been made in the six years since implementation. Um, BANA has produced other publications as well. Um, you may already be familiar with the BANA guidelines for transcription of early education materials from print to Braille, which was published in 2020 and is available on the BANA website. Um, we mentioned earlier uh, in this meeting that we also published a position paper uh, regarding uh, computer Braille code and Braille ASCII. And we have other Position We actually um, also have a guidance document, I didn't mention it in my report, but um, I should have, that was modeled on the UCAF um, document related to um, the use of UEB for um, mathematics with the same aim of trying to uh, make recommendations for consistency. Um, so we are looking forward to seeing um, how UCAF might be um, uh, 
updating that document uh, to see whether that their updates might match some of the things that we have been talking about in BANA as well uh, to just bring more uh, consistency as we were talking about uh, yesterday with Clive in the uh, production of, of UEB math materials. Um, the update of the BANA tactile graphics guidelines to align with UEB is close to completion, the rule book. It will include examples in both UEB and NAMETH. Uh, the NAMETH code committee has been working diligently to complete a revision of NAMETH code uh, for mathematics and science notation, incorporating rules and examples of um, regarding the code switching between UEB text and NAMETH materials. And a related code, the BANA Chemistry Code, which is an offshoot of NEMETH, uh, first published in 1997, is also being updated. And so those committees have been actually working quite closely, tactile graphics, NEMETH, and, and chemistry to ensure that um, the NEMETH portions of, of these are all in alignment and all um, within um, the UEB code switching rules and so that um, we can look forward to those being done. Um, the tactile graphics in particular, um, very, very soon. In fact, <laughs> Judy, did we just, we actually voted to approve the tactile graphics guidelines at our spring meeting last month. Yes, we did. And we are now waiting for, I mean, the, uh, the document has been approved and now it has to be ready for publication. That was just last month. That was before. I mean, that was <laughs> really only two weeks ago, which is kind of hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a few weeks ago. So that's exciting. That has been um, a labor of love for that committee and uh, for everybody involved. And um, I don't know if Aquinas uh, is on this. Um, he was here. Yeah, and as Earlier chair today. of that committee, um, he's. Um, it's been a, a real. Um, that committee has worked very, very diligently to complete that task. Okay, other uh, issues related to Banner membership and other activities. Um, Tamara Rory was the chair of Banner uh, in 2021 and had the distinction of leading the board without ever holding an in-person meeting <laughs> in the in all the years of Banna since what 1976-77 uh, we have met in person twice a year um, so during this pandemic season um, Banna has been meeting quite frequently um, almost every month and um, conducting its business via zoom as so many others have done and um, kept the um, kept the organization moving forward. And as of January 2022, um, our new um, chair of Banna is Jen Golden. The uh, Banna website is in the midst of a migration to a new platform, which will make it easier to update some materials. And there were a number of 
activities related to, especially to education during the pandemic that I did not include in this uh, report uh, that were conducted by a number of, of BANA member organizations. And I was very interested in hearing um, the reports from other countries about all of those efforts. Um, and I, I will say that um, the American Printing House the Blind, uh, Perkins, and lot, lots of other um, organizations really um, banded together to, uh, to support teachers and families and uh, students during the pandemic and uh, during, um, during a time when it was, as we all know, very difficult to um, be, be in person. And the last thing I was just going to add was congratulations to uh, Dr. Judy Dixon, because she was a recipient of the Miguel Medal from the American Foundation for the Blind. And um, the Miguel Medal is, is quite a prestigious um, award. And um, we congratulate Judy on her, on her recognition from that. Is there anything else that I should mention that I didn't or did you want to say anything else? No. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me. I propose that we just carry on. We've, we've, we're running behind schedule, but I don't think it's a problem. So um, we'll go back to FM to talk about ICEB archives. Sure. <laughs> so um, the and, and Judy, I'll ask you to chime in in case you have a, an update from from what we uh, discussed at the last ICEB meeting. Um, but the uh, the because ICEB is a multi-country um, membership and lots of documents have been floating around for for a number of years. Um, uh, Judy really kind of spearheaded this this effort to um, to uh, approach the American Printing House uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, um, to if they would be interested in housing the um, the archives for ICEB. And I will add that APH already houses the archives for the Orientation Mobility Division of AER, our, our professional organization. And they also have the BANA archives. And in creating the archives for BANA, there are already a number of ICEB and pre-ICEB documents that have been archived that had a, some uh, relation to uh, BANA it's, it, itself. Um, but really making a concerted effort to gather documents that, um, have to do with the development of ICEB, uh, development of, of the Unified English Braille Code project, UEBC at that time, and now UEB. And um, the, uh, each um, member representative on the executive committee had been asked to please reach out to folks in their own countries um, who might have some of these kind of foundational documents or interesting, um, you know, drafts of things or other histor uh, uh, historical documents or 
documents of historical interest that we could gather together to, um, to put in an, an archive for um, future scholars and researchers who are interested in the development of, of UEB and also the development of ICEB as an organization as well. Um, and so um, Judy had just mentioned that um, Joe Sullivan <laughs> had unearthed a number of, of, of boxes of documents. Um, we have, I think, a, a, a pretty good treasure trove of electronic documents that um, Judy has collected as well. Um, and so um, I, I- Most of the electronic documents are emails between the committees and, and within a committee. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot. I have hundreds and hundreds, thousands of emails. And there's a particularly interesting one. Joe, at some point, gathered together all of the emails that had to do with should we have upper numbers or lower numbers <clears throat> and uh, it's a it's an actually fascinating i mean it somebody could do a master's thesis or a book or something on it and maybe it would be too boring for words but the geekery braille geekery among us uh, might really enjoying it it's a very interesting collection of emails isn't it actually on the ICEB website already? It is. It is. Yeah. So, because um, I've I've pointed a number of people to it if they want to read through the fifty pages or so of emails, yeah. because it is quite fascinating. To, it is to see the 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 discussion and the decisions that were made at the time, and I I certainly hope that we'll find other treasure troves of other interesting uh, decisions that were made and the pros and cons of these things and. Um, so the, ha, had you heard back Judy from APH recently? Cause they had a new, um, yeah, I, they, I sent Mike from archivist fired <coughs> and they have a new person. So I sent Mike an email and, uh, I haven't heard back from him, but I'm going to APH at the beginning of August and I'll be there for a whole week. So I plan to uh, dig into this. So one of the things that we had talked about was the uh, possibility of creating a, an, an archives committee within ICEB. So um, I don't know if we have to wait for the GA for a resolution for that or how that would be done. Mary's not here, but I think Mary told me one time that, that I can appoint ad hoc committees, but we'll check with her about that. I mean, we kind of have one, at least FM and myself. And But if someone else is interested in archives, then let me know and we'll put together a committee. Okay. Is that it, FM? Yeah. The last thing I was just going to say is if you have... Um, if you have a lot of uh, you know interesting documents that you'd like or or emails or electronic things that that you think would be of uh, interest to the archives please do contact me or and or judy um and we'll, we'll collect them i see phyllis landon's hand is up oh yes um presumably you have already been in touch with darlene i have and darlene yes. told me Dar but darlene told me that she the time that I communicated with her, she wasn't able to get into CNIB or whatever it's called now. 
and is yeah it's still cnib it is yeah yeah okay she wasn't able to get in there and she said once she could get into there again she know she did know that she did have documents so um can people go there now yes i believe okay. so okay well i'll 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 touch base with darlene again because she said she did have quite a lot of stuff but it was there yeah i was going to offer to help judy if you needed just because of that because with uh cnib being sort of the unofficial iceb headquarters right i thought maybe it you know I if it's helpful it's, for me to be involved. i think it's the official iceb headquarters <clears throat> yes it actually is the official one it's yeah, just that it really is yeah yeah so um, do, do that please jen that would be great okay if you could ask darlene see what she has and if if i mean if mm. if you want to just you know joe's mailing me the boxes i'm going to sort through and separate banna and iceb and then um, get them all to APH. I may just take them, so we can do the same thing with with Darlene's documents if you want. Okay. Well, I mean, when I write to her, I'll I'll loop you in and. and okay. Great. Let's I was just that. looking to see because I know Darlene had been in attendance at the. Some of the yeah, I was wondering if she was well, here. I, actually, I will. I actually looked before we started this conversation, and she's not here right now. Right. Um, and I, I will say too, um, just reiterate, there's quite a bit already in the banner archives about ICEB. Yes. Because uh, Judy, when you and I went through the, the filing cabinet at NLS <laughs> a number of years ago, we found- FM came to Washington and spent about three days going through filing cabinets of old documents. And we, it was very interesting. But that was back when people did things on paper, too. I know. And it's, I think, um, we've talked in the band meetings about kind of the fragility of some of these electronic, you know, uh, documents. Well, we have all the, we have all the email since we started these email lists. And we do have all of them, all the minutes and stuff on our website go back to 2008. And we have the 2004 minutes that for the for the ga but we don't have any actual meeting minutes between 2004 and 2008. so, so if those, anybody are, has those are the ones i'm especially looking for that's right <clears throat> hopefully they are uh, there are copies at cnib yes yes i'm hoping so okay yep that's all i had all right um the last item before other business is looking ahead to 2024 i sincerely hope that we can have an in-person conference in 2024 no member country has approached me about it but i hope one does and i would sincerely prefer that it not be the united states so I'm hoping it can be somewhere else that we haven't been for a while. And uh, that would be great. That so, I mean, I, 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 you know, even in 2022, we just don't know how it's going to be in 2024. So I think we will need to make a decision, but I don't think we'll need to make it till maybe a year from now. I'm, I'm, I'm famous for being very pro in-person meeting and, others aren't and i i respect that i mean people if you know what's the point of having a meeting if people aren't going to come so i would want to have the meeting 
Maybe we can have it in Canada. I don't know. Somewhere. I hope we can have it somewhere. But, or I'll be the chair, the president that <laughs> never had an in-person meeting for, for ICEB, just as Tamara was for BANA. Does anyone have anything to say about that whole topic? Just that I agree. I, I would really love it if we could meet in person. Right. I would too. So we'll find the most, maybe it doesn't have to be a member country. Maybe we can just like find what's the most open place in the world and go there. <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> Something to look into. <laughs> yes. Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 That's a good idea. I do oh. hope that it can be somewhere maybe in the southern hemisphere you never know that, southern, <laughs> southern southern hemisphere i've got a, i've got a dog that needs to go to australia or new zealand i mean i can't yeah, have a dog that needs I can't, to go i can't have a dog that doesn't get there oh heavens that would be awful exactly. although i was well, you said that northern hemisphere at some point um yeah yeah it makes sense for it to yeah. be here. i'd almost i'd almost like like it not to be in australia because i would you know sort of I was so mm. disappointed at not getting to London. Mm -hmm. yeah. Extremely, di extremely disappointed at not getting to Montreal because it was on the bucket list. Yes. And, you know, sort of, oh. and Jen and I had morning, a whole itinerary for, for London. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was going to be so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, sort of, now, anytime. We're open for business. Just a point, <laughs> if we have it in Australia, can we not have it in July? Well. It's four degrees well. here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mandy, after after the ICEB 2020, Mandy told I said, well, maybe we could have it in London in person. Mandy said, absolutely yeah, we're done. not. <laughs> <laughs> so if James, if James wants to wrestle up somebody else to, to organize it, that that may be possible. But yeah. <laughs> R and I after this, tight. I have to um, search on YouTube for the you know the train trip back from you know sort of back oh, across yeah. to Vancouver that was because. That was on oh, the bucket list. No, it's beautiful too. Oh, thanks. It's Sorry, a lot. it's terrible. Sorry. It's yeah, horrible, horrible. No, I'd be yeah. kidding. And, and I have to say, Jen, this morning I got. They probably don't come up to um, French Canadian standard, but I did get croissants out out of the freezer this morning for my breakfast. That's mm. delightful. I'm glad oh, you got it's into the lovely. spirit of things. Oh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, does anyone have any other business that they'd like to bring up? I have a question. Um, just in terms of our next monthly exec meeting, I mean, presumably we're not going to meet on Monday, although I, I thoroughly enjoy the company of all of you. I assume that's I, not going to happen. So are we going to meet in July or August? I would, or? I would think we're going to meet in July. No, it's in okay. the minutes. It is. I just wanted to clarify just again because we have been meeting okay that no nope, that's all i wanted to know just wanted to confirm um, july 11th isn't it yes yes it's a monday july 11th second monday okay right i just wanted to confirm uh, yep kathy reason here yes um this is on the iceb announce list um mary and i have had a bit of a discussion and she's got a number of people who are on on the list who are uh, have registered to go on, on the ICB announce list and unconfirmed. Um, that means they didn't respond to the email that they got asking them to confirm. And I, yes, and I had a look. There's a, there's a way to resend those invites. Yes. 
I had a look at the um, – I, I did a bit of a play using you know, another one of my e email addresses going – and it appears they've all come, all of those seem to have come through from using the link on the website. And when you do that, you get two, two emails and you sort of miss the first email because the second one comes in, you are, you know, welcome to the list. And so people are probably assuming they're on the list and they need to respond to the first email to say, oh, yes, I really want to do, do want to join. Why do you suppose it's sending a welcome to the list if it just sent an invite? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, either. know. Maybe we no. need to look at the setup for that list. Yeah, we need to I don't have... think that. I don't think that's typically how it's done. No, and that sort of seems to be what what's happening. I also, say any, anybody listening in who has um, thought they they'd subscribed to the announce list and aren't you know sort of haven't received any emails, that might be what has happened. And either send, you know, sort of, we can sort it out. I'm, I'm going through sending emails to people now, um, who are in that situation to to, to try and resolve it for them, to, to make them aware. But it's uh, just something that needs to be resolved. Good. Okay, that's great. And we we have a hand up. You you do have a hand up here. Who's um, Anthony? Lewis. Uh, yeah, thanks, uh, um, uh, President. I, I just want to, well, it's my first time I'm part of the South African Braille Authority Executive, and it's my first time, and I just want to really, really appreciate. Uh, it's, uh, it's, the, it, it's awkward times, yeah, it's one of those uh, 10 to 10, 10, 10, 10 p.m. to a.m. to 1 a.m., and uh, I really learned uh, since since Sunday uh, the content that was put out. I think, um, and it really showed us uh, in terms of what path to follow. And I think it has inspired us um, as the South African Brain Authority really to do more. I think uh, in 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 promotion of Braille, Braille and. Uh, and all the technicalities that go with it, but really, really to appreciate the organizing and and, uh, and everybody else that really shared the ideas and um, and information. We really, really learned. Well, that's really nice to Thank hear. You. Thank you so much. That's great. Judy, we have a couple other hands. Okay. Uh, Lewis? That was Lewis. I oh, think. that was Lewis. Uh, Robert? Yes. Um... Kathy just sent out emails regarding the final drafts. And I just wanted to mention something that was came up in previous emails and I had just been buried with work, so I wasn't able to respond. Um, she had implied that the section for letters, everything in that section is technically a letter, but nowhere in the code does it kind of make that clear that those things in that section are what we're considering letters. And I just thought that now might be the time to put a, a comment in that section that says that so it's very clear to everyone because the terminology section says letters, modified letters for the standing alone rule. And as we saw when we were dealing with the short forms, the lack of a clear definition of a letter is what got us into all kinds of chaos 
And maybe we could use this opportunity to put something in there before you vote on it and finally put that through that clears up that issue as to what's a letter and what's not and that the capital is not considered uh, a letter indicator as, as part of a, a letter as defined in the terminology. Uh, Robert, can you put that in an email to the CMC list? Sure. And, uh, we'll, we'll have a look at that. I'll, okay. I'll have a look at that, okay? Sure. I just saw that you have final draft and I really didn't want to throw a monkey wrench into it. I just No, no, that's fine. Just just put a um, <coughs> an email and I'll have a, a close look at that one, okay? Okay. Thank you. Uh, Mike? Hello again. In her report from the United States, FM made mention of evaluation by the Library of Congress of two Braille displays. What are these? How has the evaluation gone? And are they already doling out reading displays to library members? I'm going to answer your last question first. Yes. They're doling out state by state. We've done more than half the states now. The pilot is actually finished, and we are having two different displays manufactured. Some states are getting one, some states are getting the other, and they, it's, it's going very well. They're very popular, and people like them. What, what are they read-only? No, yes, more or less. There's no editor. Um, and what, there, what, there, what is a, there is a keyboard you can enter text to search and that sort of thing, but there's <clears throat> there is not an editor. What in fact are the displays? I I, I want I'm going to cut this off in just a second because this is not really the topic of this meeting at this point. But um, one of them is manufactured by Humanware and physically is identical to a Humanware um, chameleon. And uh, but soft, software is quite different from the chameleon. The other is manufactured by Zumax, a company that makes low vision items, but is making braille displays. And it's not similar to anything. That's very interesting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got two more hands. Terry Ann. Yes, I, for the whatever it's worth department, I did want to say that I did join the um, announcement list and I did in fact get the uh, emails in their correct order. Oh, good. If That's I good. did that uh, two days ago. That's good to hear. Okay. And I have no other hands at the moment. Good. Okay. So Jen, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right, well, thank you. Um, we're now in the thank yous and farewells and all that good stuff. And so I'm actually going to hand it over to Natalie first and then I will, I will, um, I will come back. All right, well, I, I don't know about others here, but I, I can't believe the week's already over. <laughs> the meeting week um, it has gone by very quickly. Um, and there were lots of great presentations. So 
Although you couldn't join us in Canada, you are very welcome to visit anytime, though we don't recommend the middle of January or February. Uh, but other months are safe, unless you've never seen the snow and you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> So um, I don't really have a CanCon moment specifically, but I did want to end with a bit of maybe just reinforcing the Canadian stereotypes a tiny little bit to tell you that our national animal is a beaver. <laughs> and we actually have this dessert. I don't think you've mentioned this yet, Jen, the beaver tail. No, I haven't. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so this is very Canadian. I mean, there's no more Canadian dessert than the beaver tail. Um, it is not a beaver tail, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no beavers have been destroyed no, in the no, making all, of this beaver tail. Yes, exactly. All beaver tails remain intact. And um, it's a dessert, which is it's basically deep fried dough, which I mean, who doesn't enjoy that? Um, and it's, you can, um, there are different, things that you can put on it for flavor. So a really common one is cinnamon sugar. That's my favorite. Delicious. I know it's so good. There's also hazelnut. And so basically, if you do visit Canada um, and someone asks you if you would like to eat a beaver tail, don't be afraid. Uh, don't slowly back away. <laughs> don't leave our country. You will like it. So <laughs> that is your uh, those, those are some wise words from your Canadian representatives tonight. Um, and otherwise, we do hope to see um, all of you in person somewhere in the world in, in two years. Um, I just want to thank everyone who participated this week, observers, executive members, Judy for chairing, and Jen for doing so much work behind the scenes, and Matthew for hosting the podcast and all of our, our guest speakers and podcast guest speakers, and just everyone uh, for everything that you do. Um, it passed by very quickly, but again, thank you. And thank you also to our moderators uh, for keeping an eye on things and keep, keeping us all on, uh, on track. And we hope to see you in two years. So with that, Thank you from all of us at Braille Literacy Canada, and I will turn it over now to Jen Golden. Okay, well, when Natalie and I talked to thank you, Natalie, that mm, beaver tails, I can't believe I never mentioned them. Um, so I, when Natalie and I were talking about our closing remarks, I said, you know, I'm not just going to repeat everyone that you thanked, even though I appreciate them all too. So, uh, so I'm not going to do that. But before I do a couple of, you know, I, I do want to mention a, a few people, keeping it very quick because we're getting to the end of our time. I just want to give you our final CanCon moment of the midterm executive meetings for 2022. So many of you, I'm sure, would, if asked, guess that our national sport is hockey, but it's actually lacrosse, even though hockey is is definitely a Canadian thing. So now this is going to be a trivia thing that it's going to come up sometime and you're going to win the sports pie because you know that lacrosse is the national sport of Canada. Natalie mentioned the the beaver, which I was, you know, which I was going to sort of say that's probably something that doesn't surprise anybody, perhaps, along with the fact that our national tree is the sugar maple. Again, probably no surprise there. 
the maple leaf and the fleur-de-lis are both um, symbols, definitely Canadian symbols, the fleur-de-lis, especially uh, in Quebec. And something I probably should have said at the beginning, but for whatever reason didn't, just to describe our flag for anyone who doesn't know what it looks like. It's always kind of neat to know what country flags are like. So it's red and it's, you know, flag shaped twice as long as it, as it is sort of high. Sorry, I think we have someone that might need to be muted. muted. If our moderators, our wonderful moderators could take care of that. So the flag is as, as long, uh, I'm sorry, it's flag shaped, rectangular. And in the middle of the red flag, there's sort of a white space. And in that white space is a red maple leaf, which is has been a sort of symbol associated to the landmass that became the Dominion of Canada in 1867. It's been associated with us for a very long time. And my relatives in the UK have always been kind of seemed that we celebrate Victoria Day and they don't, but it's because Queen Victoria signed the Act, the British North America Act that made us a country. And the last thing I will say is that our national anthem is called o, is o Canada. We, it's, there are English and French versions, and there are actually a few verses. And it was originally written by Calixel Lavallee, and I just think it's really kind of appropriate that it was actually, the, the French version was written about 45 years before the English version. So now you know a whole bunch of random facts about Canada. And, uh, you know, I hope that you have found them informative and, and kind of fun as well. And, and, you know, hopefully they haven't, we haven't made you too hungry. So now I will just, before I hand things back to Judy, I just wanted to actually thank, because Natalie kind of thanked everybody else and, and I just second everything she said, but I wanted to also thank the planning committee who's been tremendously helpful. And Natalie, of course, was on that and Judy and, and James and Ilka, thank you for your your guidance as well from having hosted the midterm in Dublin in, in 2018. And I also, um, and, and Matthew Horspool as well from the technical perspective, but I also wanted to thank Mandy White and Dave Williams because they served on this committee as well and gave a lot of tips and suggestions in terms of especially what to do if, you know, we needed a contingency plan. And so they were really, really helpful. And I appreciate all the time that, that they took, even though they'd already put tons of work into the GA. So thank you to everybody. It's been so much fun. And I do look forward to seeing people in person, as Natalie said, somewhere in the world. All right, over to you, Judy. Thank you, Jen. And I'm now in the position of thanking all the same people that Natalie and Jen thanked. <laughs> And, and of course, I want to thank all of those same people as well, but I'm not going to go through the long list because if I do, I will invariably leave someone out. So, <clears throat> but I'm going to thank the members of the executive committee, some of whom got up at ridic ridiculously early hours and some of whom have stayed up ridiculously late hours and we're keeping them up even now as we blather on. So. I am going to say thanks, guys, for, for your cooperation and, and being able to do this. The world time zone situation is very complex. But thank you and thank to everybody, Matthew and the Canadian Literacy <clears throat> BLC and all of that. So thanks so much. And I think we will adjourn. So thank you.
Merci à tous et à toutes. Thank you, everyone. What does Hi, that mean? Everyone. That means thank you to everybody. Oh, oh God. Regardless of your reluctance, I say goodbye. For caring as well as, as, as you did as well. Thank yes, you. thank you, Judy. Thank you all. Thank you, everyone. Sorry, I couldn't hear some of the time. Thank you all. Good morning, good Bye. afternoon, good evening. Good night. Bye, everyone. Be well, everyone. Thanks so much. It's just been wonderful. Well, there you go. There's a bit of the Zoom atmosphere. And actually, just as I started talking, the Zoom meeting was closed by the host. That is a wrap on what has been probably the strangest midterm executive meeting in ICEB's history <laughs> that spanned a whole week instead of just a weekend. But what a fabulous midterm it was. As you can hear, Jen Golden already back with us to do some uh, post-event commentary. And very shortly, if not already, we'll be joined by Natalie Martin-Yellow. Hello, Mat Natalie Martin-Yellow, you're here as well. Wasn't that just, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of looking at this, I've said at the end of every day, you know, wasn't that fun, wasn't that fun? But like, I say it because I mean it. Um, it it's, That's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all came together to talk about Braille and, and we talked about Braille and then we realised that actually there's a lot more that we could talk about when it comes to Braille and so we talked a bit more and then we talked a bit more and, and then we realised that actually a week isn't long enough. So, I mean, really, I mean, what more could you want out of a Braille conference like that? I yeah, I think Jeff... Think the, oh, go ahead, Jen. Go, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I actually think the country reports was one of my favourite parts. I mean, there were so many things I, I liked about this week, but it was just so nice it was fun to hear from all the the countries and what they're doing and all the similar things we're working on but also the different things that that are being done in different places and i just feel like it really reminds you that you know there are others out there mm. <laughs> yeah i totally agree and and what i was gonna say was just you know it's kind of fun to you get to the end of the week and you realize you know, schedules and all that, notwithstanding, you know, we're not, we're not done talking about Braille. We're not tired of it. Like we could just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I'm, I'm actually quite sad, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I, I sort of got into this rhythm of, I mean, because I mean, I, look, I've been working on this yeah. all week. I, I haven't had yes, to go to work. Indeed or, you you know, I haven't had to go to work. I, mean, I know some people have, have started off at, you know, and I'm thinking of the Australians, you know, they've started off at five in the morning or six in the morning and what have you, done three hours of ICEB, then gone to work, then come home, you know, and uh, and I, I've, I've had the luxury of not doing that. But it means I've got into a rhythm of waking up and, you know, having a, a nice you know, relaxing start to the day and then looking at Braille stuff so I'm prepared for the day and then getting on and, and, and doing this and then editing and then going to bed and then rinse and repeat. And it's going to feel so strange tomorrow to wake up and not have to think about braille and i'm quite sad about that yeah you do get i i found that at the end of the uh the general assembly as well where i was kind of yeah, yeah i made life really busy but oh i'm kind of sad and i mean my dog will get to eat his dinner at the right time yeah, tomorrow happy. so he'll, he'll be happy be but happy. but yeah it's because everybody likes you know we're, we're in we're with a group of people who also like talking about braille and that doesn't mm. always happen so it's really nice yeah so so much has happened. Um, we, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and recap the whole agenda, you know, ad nauseum, because you could do that by just listening back to the podcast, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, from from the welcomes on day one through 
music on day two and code maintenance on day three and technology on day four and and all of the stuff in the middle there's there's just been this this real thread of cooperation of of innovation and i don't say innovation lightly um I really do think it's wonderful that we're in a position where we're not just thinking, well, we can't, you know, we, we're doing this because we've always done it. You know, we're in a position now where we're saying, actually, yeah, well, you know, why do we do this? And maybe we should change this and maybe we shouldn't change this and maybe we should, you know, and and just the the, the, the attitude has been so positive and forward thinking and, you know, all, all trying to achieve a common goal. Well, and I think it's really, it's really neat because, We've got this whole range of, you know, sort of, we've got the code, we've got technology, we've got, you know, um, things like, you know, we're discussing the America's Treaty and like all different kinds of Braille music. And then even talking about archives and grade three Braille and all these kinds of things. It's like, we've got this whole range of past, present and future. And there's just... I really feel in a way like there's something for everyone. You know, if you're not a super, you know, you're not into, you don't want to wallow in Braille geekery, but you have an interest, you know, you're, <laughs> you're a musician or you're, you know, you're more into history and archiving and things like that. Like there's just so much variety. It's, it's Braille, but there's a lot of variety within that. Yeah. And we've heard, you know, from, some some people who may not be as familiar with like the technical side of the code or code maintenance and they've commented how much they've learned in those sessions so it's kind of like that opportunity to learn about other areas of braille that maybe don't directly you don't often think about or don't directly Im impact you on a daily basis so it's it's really um it's really just a, a great opportunity to hear about everything yeah, in that sense, I mean, I, I'm really, really looking forward to a face-to-face -face General Assembly in 2024. Me I can't, too. I really cannot wait for a face-to-face -face General Assembly. But you've got to admit, in, in the one thing that online has done is brought ICEB to probably more people than it's ever been brought to. I think there's probably more awareness of ICEB yeah. now than there yes, ever would have been. I would agree. Yeah. And it's been actually, it's been lovely to hear from people you know, I mean, I'm thinking Mike Howell in the UK, but I mean, there'd be others, you know, um, people from people in in all of the ICEB countries and beyond who've been able to come who actually, you know, that people, it, it costs a lot of money to go to an ICEB meeting. And if you're mm -hmm. very lucky, um, your employer will send you. But not many people are that lucky and not many people would have the funds to come to a meeting and therefore you know you're not in a very big room so even if they did have the funds they might not be space and, and it's just really lovely to hear from from just everybody and it, it's it's much more uh user-centered i think as a result of that yeah and i think just some of the comments that people have made throughout the week because i mean and we kept having like i registered somebody just today before the meetings began as well so we're up to i don't know 100 and 45 something like that observers like it's really exciting but i just think some of the comments people have made either directly or kind of indirectly i got a sense of people saying you know iceb is a lot more relevant to me than i had actually thought i thought it was mm. just this 
thing out there this this council out there this group of people but actually you guys talk about a lot of things that relate to me personally or relate to my everyday life and the way I use braille and the things I'm concerned about and so I think that's a really it's been really neat to to see that at least that's I don't know Natalie if if you got that but I mean that was sort of my perspective from yeah definitely and also just a reminder that you know there are there are people working behind the code, like the braille that we read, um, you know, all these discussions and decisions that need to be made. And it really gives you an appreciation for all the people doing that work. Um, but I, I was really excited to hear about all the kind of braille technology things happening in different countries, like the pilot project at NLS and the, the Orbit project in the UK with the you know, books on SD cards. And it's just really nice to hear that these things are happening. Yeah, I'm really quite envious of all the music stuff that happens around the world, too, especially yeah, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. They really, they do a lot of neat stuff. Yeah, like the music camp and just, and I think it, it this brings me to a comment that kind of came to mind as I was listening to Jordy in particular, um, who, I, I could just listen to Jordy all day. She has the most melodious, yeah, lovely, lovely voice to listen voice, to. I'd it? love yeah. to hear her sing. I've never had a chance She's to, a but to Exactly. She, she is, yeah. She should. We should tell her that next time. This is what we've she's, yeah, she's set it to, to music. Podcast. Hi, Jordy. Yeah, are you hearing us, Jordy? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, what I was going to say was just, I wonder too how much of it. I mean, obviously, you know, Jordy, like these are things that are they're things that are going on in these countries, and it's different around the world. But I think sometimes too, there are things that are determined a little bit by the interests, skills, abilities job responsibilities roles all that kind of thing of the person who's the country rep and so you get Jordy being a musician it's really an advantage in that sense because she she isn't you know she she's reporting on things that are happening but she's also definitely involved in it as well so it's, it's just kind of neat how people's own kind of focus or whatever does can come into play as well and they're in the way that they represent their country and the things that that they report on because it's the things that they they have experience with too yeah very true i think it's about the i mean it is so you're right i, I don't disagree with that i think it's also about the other people in the braille authority at the time and what they're able to sort uh, of for sure. to, to yeah. drum up. I mean, I'm looking, for example, I mean, I agree with you. The idea of running a Braille music camp is just an absolutely fabulous idea. I would yeah. love to go out to Australia and experience one of these Braille music camps. I think it would be just the most amazing experience. Oh, it would. And I, I, I look at it and I think, yeah, we could bring that back to the UK. And then I think, yeah, but the thing is, if you're going to bring that back to the UK, you need somewhere to host it. Like you need a, a place with rooms, right? <laughs> Where you and and, and musical <laughs> yes. stuff, right? So you need rooms and pianos, right? So and people, uh, right? And then you, exactly, you need people to facilitate it. And I don't think we would struggle in the UK objectively to find people to facilitate it. But if the people on the Braille Authority at the time don't know those people, then where do we find those people? And I think that is certainly part of the problem. That's a really good point. I think it, it's something I think about sometimes and and I think Natalie and I have talked about this, you know, how we get people involved so that we have that that breadth. Like I I mean and you know, Natalie, you're here, but I'm I'm I would be saying this if you weren't here because I think since Natalie is a part of 
obviously a significant part of BLC, her expertise, her experience in terms of adult braille learners, that has really brought that to the fore. It wasn't something that I, you know, it's not my area of expertise. Mm. So when I was president, you know, I didn't, it wasn't necessarily something I would have initiated because I wouldn't have thought of it, but you but know, you once initiated lots of other stuff too. <laughs> well, thank you. And, and I appreciate that, but I, I think it's, it highlights the, your, your comment, Matthew, that, you know, we have people with different areas of expertise and if we can involve them in our braille authorities, then yeah, maybe we can implement more of these things that we see other countries doing. Like maybe some of the other, country reps might be thinking, hey, maybe we could do something like the Braille Zoomers, right? So because they've, you know, heard about it and, and with, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You were, I, 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 I just, I got, I got carried away, but you know, just thinking like you, you see that and you think, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we could do this if we, if we had people who, who could implement it. And so um, I just, I think it's, it's good to get people with different different backgrounds and, and experiences involved. And as a treasurer, as an ICEB treasurer, I, I imagine your other thing, Jen, um, <laughs> and, and it's something <laughs> yes. that I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have come to eventually, is this idea of funding. Okay, so we have this idea to run a music camp, that's fine, but where's the money going to come from? And so you need somebody who knows where that money's going to come from. And that doesn't necessarily mean rustling up a load of donations, although it might, you know, there's there's money out there, but you've got to have someone that knows how to write the funding bids, who knows how to present well in interviews, who knows, you know, all of that stuff that is just so complicated. Yeah, and it takes a lot of time. And it's true because there are, there are grants out there. But I think that's also a good reminder that, you know, most, if not all of us are volunteers. Um, in our Braille authorities. And despite that, we're doing so many really cool things. Um, and because of the unique expertise that everyone brings, I mean, I remember when I was younger, I only studied music for a little bit, um, but we we couldn't find someone who knew, um, you know, the Braille music code. And the fact that there are you know, people like Jordy and others who are real experts in this area, and then they are able to, you know, be a part of things like to start music camps and other things like that. It's amazing, right? Because it's not always easy to find people with that expertise or those resources. And when you do, it's great. It's great to be able to promote it at a meeting like ICEB just to give the idea to other countries as well. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So it's ten past the hour. We actually finished early tonight. Um, <clears throat> I think that's the first time we've ever finished early. And it looked at one point like we weren't going to finish early. Um, I was looking at the clock during the country reports, thinking, "Good grief, this is going to be a long night." And um, and and we we did very well to finish early. Um, just. Just thinking about the week overall, we've done a lot of thinking about the week overall already. Where do we go from here? Like we've had this fantastic week. How do we stop the momentum from being lost now? I think one of the good things is that because the executive <clears throat> meets so regularly, I think that that helps a lot because, you know, going back a few years, 
you know, it there wasn't there were meetings, of course. There were, you know, meetings via, you know, a conference line. But I'm trying to remember. I don't. We didn't meet every month. We, no, I think it was you know, once it, a quarter, wasn't it? It was. I had to remember because now it feels like it feels so long ago. And every organization. I mean, I did the same thing with BLC somewhere around 2011, 20. No, maybe it's a little later. But we're meeting meeting more often. And even and Banna is doing it now as well because it's it's very easy, as you said, to sort of lose the momentum. So I think that I think the other piece of this is that there's one thing to sort of the exec meeting regularly and you know discussing the resolutions and moving forward and doing all these things. I think one of the other things that we need to to figure out how we can what we can do about this is the fact that we had all these observers, all these people that you know, maybe had never participated in any kind of ICEB activity, that we had all these people registering. So how do we keep people's interest? And I think, you know, we've got all these people, if we could sort of work out the uh, the, the the glitch or whatever, you know, subscribing to the announce list, I think that's, that's great. And Mary does a fantastic job with the newsletter and, you know, we've got social media. And so I think those are really good things, but I'm just wondering if there are ways that we can keep people interested and maybe use the methods we you know the avenues that we currently have in place but maybe there's other things that we could do as well yeah and the committees and joining those listservs if there are kind of topics that really interest you thinking about becoming an observer on those committee listservs um and then just waiting to hear where, where we're all we will all be two years from now when we when we meet again <laughs> mm. One of the things that Judy is very good at, I've noticed, and long may it continue, is proactively inviting people to become part of stuff. And I think that's very important as well. I think one of the things that would be a very useful exercise to come out of this is if we look back at these meetings and go, right, which observer was it that commented on X, Y, Z? Okay, well, we have the email address because the observer registered. Let's you know, let's not wait for the observer to write into us. Let's write into them and say, look, we really liked your comment. How about we take this further? Because I feel like sometimes people make a comment in a meeting and then they think, oh, well, it wasn't that significant really. And, uh, well, maybe I'm not all that qualified. And actually, a lot of the time people are more qualified than they think. Yeah, and I think you're right. Judy really is good at that. She's good at seeing, hey, this person has this strength or this gift or this area of expertise. And it would be great to have that on, you know, the executive or on this committee. And I, I you know, Judy, I know you're probably going to listen to this at some point, but I do, I think that's a really important skill or an important, yeah, I guess it's really, it, it is kind of a skill for someone who is the president, you know, of an organization because, she's in a position to kind of you know what we're gonna we need to do this and ICEB our you know constitution and bylaws do allow for us apart from the country reps and the people who are deterritorialized it gives it does have the flexibility I think it's two we can have two kind of additional people on the executive that are we call them like consultants and so Natalie you're Natalie's one of them and, and Mary Schnackenberg is is the other and so it's good that we have that flexibility because i think you're right matthew i think it's it's great to get people involved because people don't you know even just i think you made this comment the other day about 
someone saying, you know, oh, I'm just an observer. And, and I always want to say like, you know, no, you're not just an observer, you're an observer. So to all you observers who might be listening, I can't say it enough. We really do value your input and don't think of you as just an observer. Like, you know, you're, you're a so part of ICEBT. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean, we, we the exact we, meets we regularly. Every, we talk all yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. We talk all the time every month. So this is one of the opportunities to hear from other people as well. Mm. Well, I think um, we might start to sort of wrap this up. Um, but before I do, I'll just sort of turn it to each of you in turn, Jen and Natalie, to give sort of final thoughts about... Um, number one, how I, where, I mean, I, I've just thought of another question that I could ask you, um, but because <laughs> you, you've both been involved in the organization of this. And so what's it, what's it been like to organize it and, and how do you think it's gone and what are you sort of looking forward to coming out of it? I think we, I'm sure Jen will, will say the same, that we benefited a lot from all the knowledge uh, from everyone um, who was involved with the last General Assembly and planning that from the UK. Um, so that gave us a lot to work with to start <laughs> to start with, which was a huge, huge help. Um, Jen, you're probably thinking along the same lines. I sure am. <laughs> and um. in terms of where we go from here, I mean, um, it was really good to hear um, updates from each of the resolutions so just you kind of feel motivated to continue on with those there's a lot of really good things happening there um and i think also there's some other discussions that we maybe weren't exactly planned like i'm thinking about the hard copy versus electronic braille discussion we had earlier in the week that gives us things to think about as well going forward about you know, other areas of focus we might want to come back to in the future. Yeah, that's, that's a great. I mean, that was, that conversation just really took off, um, you know, and so, yeah, I think definitely something that is worth, worth pursuing. And I would agree, you know, as Natalie said, it was really helpful to have input from the UK. I mean, it, now that this is, this is not sort of the first major zoom conference you know it's it's different right because you have experience you have background so I, I i i can't you know my hat's really off to all of you guys from the uk for what you did that you know i know we've said it before but that's still the the best online conference i've been to since all of this happened and so i think for us we we i feel like we had it easy i mean in some ways again now that this is more uh, you know we're more familiar with it I'll say it was easier than planning an in-person. I mean, I would have much preferred to have everybody, you know, be able to go to Montreal. But in terms of planning, yes, it was it was easier. Yeah. It was kind of less work, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But but yeah, I think I think this whole where do we go from here again kind of comes back to the momentum, and and I also wonder what other things might come up between now and say 2024. I mean. And then, then there's also, of course, we've got the update to the uh, UEB rulebook and all the technical stuff going on with the, you know, with Clive and, and the technical committee. So hopefully that will progress well. And, you know, so that's 
kind of on that aspect of things, but then even just with technology, like who knows in the next couple of years, EBRF and all, all, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I think there are conversations that we probably, we probably do want to reflect on this week as an exec and think, okay, what do we want to revisit and kind of talk about more? Like, I don't know, you know, how the World Braille Council discussion that we had, we want to, what we want to do with that. And as Natalie said, the hard copy and electronic, you know, discussion, I'm sure there will be no end of things for us to, to look at and to talk about. Definitely. Well, you know what they say, you should always leave people wanting more. Uh, so I think uh, this is this is probably as good a place as any to uh, to call this a wrap for what has been a, a very, very uh, exciting week of Braille discussion. And there'll be many, many more uh, Braille discussions to come, I'm sure. You've been listening to coverage of the 2022 Midterm Executive Committee meeting of the International Council on English Braille I've been Matthew Horsepool. It's been an absolute pleasure to have uh, hosted this throughout this week, to have done all of this commentary and to have brought all of the the live stream and the podcast together. Thanks to to Jen and ICEB for asking me to do it. It's it really has been a, a pleasure. Thanks to well, thank you. <laughs> thanks to everybody who's been on the podcast to to Ashley and to Kim and to Jen. And to Natalie, I think those are the only four people that have uh, been on the uh, on, on the yes. podcast. But thank yes. you to to all of you, and uh, and especially to to Jen and Kim for, uh, for Jen and Natalie for being here today and uh, and finishing it off. So we'll leave it there. Uh, on behalf of all of us, thanks very much for listening. The podcast will be available shortly, and uh, it will stay available for the foreseeable future. So uh, do just uh, listen to it when you've got a moment. And uh, from all of us. Or four hours. Or four hours, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, the beauty of the podcast, you can listen to it at double speed. There you, yeah. Ooh, there you go. If you're really good. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we're going to leave it there. From all of us, thank you very much for your time and for your attention and for listening. And I'm sure we'll see you all again soon before too much longer. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.